we are. Hi, guys. Um, welcome to episode 128 of You Watch, I Listen. Josh, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm great. Taylor, how are you? Taylor. Taylor. Oh, that's right. Taylor's not here today. Yes. Um, Taylor's a little under the weather. It's that season, especially in his line of work where he is outdoors a lot. Um, the weather up in Jersey's been fucking weird, man. Josh and I were just talking about it. We were like, what, mid-70s last week? Yep. It's fucking beautiful. And then this morning, we both had to warm up our cars because there was frost on it. And I think my car said, my my um, thermometer said like 33 degrees. Yeah, something like 33 degrees. I'm on my way out of Vernon, um, guys, I'm coming up the mountain. It's, it's starting a flurry. And I'm like, man, it was literally... I was wearing shorts last week. Oh my yeah, dude, it's fucking weird. I mean, I I we had a really weird winter last year cuz it was cold as shit, but we didn't really get much snow. I think we had one snowstorm. Yeah. Um I feel like we're due. I know Taylor said the other day expect a mild winter, but he meant to send it to someone else. Yeah. And I'm like I, I he said that and I was like, "Okay." Cuz like I don't know what context this is. I don't feel like that's going to be the case at all. I feel like they're just the way things have been going. We're going to get a lot of snow. It's going to be snowvid. Yeah, it's snow honestly with the way 2020 is gone. Um we almost got a fucking tornado the other night did you see the fucking videos in the city that literally like i guess it was a like a small tornado was hitting and motherfuckers are outside in the streets posting videos of it i'm like are you fucking stupid you have to worry about a tornado out there like you do here like that out here a fucking tree or a branch will impale you out there just some garbage which is gonna happen to you in new york city anyway makes feel like you could just go for a mama celeste pizza Almost always. Are you kidding? I don't know what made me think of it. You said something about New York and garbage, and it just made me think of bad well, pizza, did, and uh, bad pizza made me think of Mama Celeste. Well, did you see that thing that was making the rounds? It was um, every state's favorite chain food or restaurant. I, I saw it. I didn't read it because I knew it was probably stupid and bullshit. Okay, what do you think New Jersey's was? Um, favorite chain restaurant? Ch- it's, it could be fast food. Is it chain? Is eatery. it going to piss me off? Yes. Olive Garden. Yep, Olive Garden. Oh, fuck you. There are so many Italian. Italians in this state, and you want to go to Olive Garden? Oh, unlimited breadsticks. Fuck your unlimited breadsticks. Italian people don't eat breadsticks. You ever I had mean, breadsticks at a fucking Sunday dinner? No, 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 I haven't. But will I eat Olive Garden breadsticks? Yeah, all, yeah, always. All the time. Here's the thing: <laughs> I will eat Olive Garden, but it's never my choice. Like right. if someone said, um, like if work was like, oh, we're ordering from Olive Garden. I'm like, all right, I'll bite my tongue and fucking eat Olive Garden. Right. But um, it's not real Italian food. No, it's like they just took the idea of Italian food, like the essence of it, and made something that is does not well, exist. Well, like they have like a fucking uh, um, uh, an appetizer on their menu from I remember like I haven't gone to Olive Garden in years. But yeah, I remember me the last time I was there, they have a menu or they had like, can't speak to today. They had a menu item that was basically what you would get at another restaurant, being a mozzarella stick, but it was like a a fucking lasagna bite. It was a it was lasagna. So it's like a inside, fried ravioli. It was a fried thing. ravioli, but with like lasagna, lasagna internals. That's weird. And it the, was and okay. That, that's a, I'm sure it was. Like I said, the food at Olive Garden itself, like if you did. Didn't know like it would like someone just fed it to you and then say it's like supposed to be an Italian restaurant. I'd be like, oh, this is okay. I mean, it, this is the problem when you compare to New Jersey. Yes, this is a crazy Italian state. There's a lot of Italian Americans here. A lot of great uh, family-owned Italian restaurants, but we also have a lot of garbage people yeah. that aren't Italians. And I believe the majority of people that aren't Italians are garbage. So they can't differentiate great Italian food. Like, they want ragu you'll, uh, gravy. You'll, you'll appreciate this. They, uh, somebody at work today showed me a video. Okay. Uh, last week, they were sitting in the, one of the offices, and they were talking about, because uh, we have a pretty multicultural team. Yeah. You know, we have some Spanish people. We have an Indian girl that works sure, there. Sure, sure. They were talking about, like, different delicacies of, like, their people and stuff okay. like that. Okay. And um, 
Somebody mentioned Gabagool. Gabagool, yeah, sure. And they showed me a security video where they're talking about it, and right as soon as somebody says Gabagool, you see my head poking. Did <laughs> someone say Gabagool? <laughs> well, yeah. I uh, Over the weekend, the landlord was like, how about for, like, lunch, watching football, we just get, like, a bunch of cheeses and, like, things like that, like, make a charcuterie board. I'm like, sure. And she was like, all right, we'll get some salami, some of this. And I said, Gabagool? <laughs> she's like, okay, sure. Um, so the way I imagine Italian, like, how we view Olive Garden is probably how the Mexican community views Taco Bell. Oh, yeah, sure. And we love Taco Bell, but if you talk to people that are, are of Mexican heritage or live out where they get real authentic Mexican cooking, like, yeah. that shit is garbage. Yo, think about the Taco Bell menu, like authentic Mexican food, Cinnabon Delights. Yes, that, that's authentic <laughs> to me. Yeah, like a fucking grilled cheese burrito. <laughs> like, I would say grilled che- Like, I don't think there's a lot of American foods, right? You know, we got Italian food, Chinese food, Mexican food, um, the Thai food, the, what are American foods like? Macro, hot dogs. Hot, hot dog, dogs. I think, is like the pillar. macaroni and cheese. Like if you made a, a food pyramid of American foods, I think hot dogs sit at the top as the healthiest you know, and best. In other countries, they don't know what macaroni and cheese. Yeah, is. that's so that's, that's I, that grilled cheese is definitely an American food. I would say peanut butter and jelly probably is. Yep. Um, American version of spaghetti and meatballs is its own thing because everyone uses a fucking can of ragu. Um, I would say beefaroni is an American food. <laughs> Chef Boyardee on its own. <laughs> is a food pyramid. <laughs> Chef Boyardee, um, so going back to that that thing about what states were their favorite, what do you think New York's favorite was? Um, I don't know. I'll go out on a limb here. Uh, <laughs> it's going to annoy me. Yes, it is. Pizza Hut? <laughs> nope. Sabaro. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever had Sabaro in like Penn Station at eleven at night. Yo, you live in the fucking pizza capital of the world. Yeah, where every and fucking you're eating Sabaro, every corner pizza place is probably pretty fucking good. You know what annoys me too is probably because of the fucking the clip from the office. That's exactly what I was thinking you know, when I saw it. Too. Well, I'm gonna go get a, uh, a go to my favorite pizza joint and get a real New York slice. These pants to Sabaro. And I, 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 Ralph so, and I went to Sabaro once. Listen, I'll eat Sabaro. I'll eat any pizza. <laughs> Give me a fucking Elio's right now. I'll eat that shit frozen. So it, it, was the, it was the day of Francesa Con. Yes, I remember hearing about this. <laughs> and, you know, Ralph and I were just being cunts. Yes, naturally. And everybody was like, oh, we're in the city. Let's go get pizza. And we just knew. Like, it was a telepathic connection. We're like, okay, yeah, we know a spot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Everybody it's says Sabaro. Sabaro. Was everyone disappointed, too? Yeah, I was so mad. I wouldn't want it. Like, if you brought me to Sabaro, <laughs> I would probably still eat it. You know, <laughs> I've never, outside of, like, uh, like you said, Penn Station or, no, or the food court at a shopping mall, I've never actually seen a Sabaro, like, in its on its own. The, that Sabaro we went to in New York that one day, I w- was flabbergasted at what I saw. It was like a buffet. You you went down a line, and you told the person behind the yeah, fucking got- thing what. What, what you wanted. And not only do they have pizza, not only do they have pasta, do you know what else they have? What? Chinese food. At Sabaro? At Sabaro, they have Chinese so they food. Have they have Chinese Italian food? They have, like, fucking lo mein and fried rice. That's fucking weird. Sabaro needs to fuck off. The one that I thought was the most, I think it was Illinois. Their favorite f- food chain was Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> I, listen, if you're going to come out with the, I, I like that. I respect that more than New Jersey being Olive Garden yeah. and New York being Sabaro. Chuck E. Cheese. Like, and honestly, I would rather Olive Garden than Sabaro. Like, yeah. if I'm ranking, uh, listen, I, I went to a Chuck E. Cheese as an adult once, and it wasn't like I brought my niece or anything. Me and Danny were just like, one day, we were going somewhere, and like, yo, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. And there was always this this urban legend that you can't go unless you have a child with you. I'm going to I'm gonna squash that right now. 
That's bullshit. You could go in. We got pizza. We played games. We wrecked skee-ball. I got a ton of tickets, and I got like three pieces of bubble gum out of it. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, Taylor's not here. He's feeling under the weather, and obviously with COVID on the rise, um, we want to be a little more careful. Um, we've already talked about. We don't think we're going to have to go back to the virtual episodes. Um, you know, we're all pretty. Uh, Precautionist is that even a word? Precautionist, no, but I like it. Um, we take precautions. <laughs> I like precautionist. Yeah, we're all, we all we're precautionist about this. It actually makes sense. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. We never know what our great government leadership, and this is not directed at anyone specifically besides Mayor Bill De Blasio. <laughs> uh, I don't like Murphy, but De Blasio is the worst. God, he sucks. Like, how do you how do you be the mayor? how do you win a second term? How do you how how are you the mayor of of one of America's largest cities? Most liberal cities, but as at well. the end of the day, you're you're just the mayor of a town. Yeah, essentially, correct. when you really think about it, how do you have everyone in your surrounding area hate you, hate you? and liberals? Yeah, and I did. I will say I don't love Murphy, but he made me die at a fucking press conference clip the other day when someone asked him, um, "What do you have to say to the people that say they don't like wearing the face masks? Um, they're uncomfortable and they're annoying." And he pauses. He goes, "You know what else? <laughs> you know what else is uncomfortable, and annoying? When you're dead." <laughs> I was like, I actually respected that. That's a good answer. Uncomfortable and annoying. <laughs> hey, when you're dead, <laughs> I would say being dead. I honestly, it might be annoying because all of a sudden, like, if you're married and you die and you know you're dead, and it's like Patrick Swayze and Ghost, and you're. It was on Chappelle's show. He did that whole clip yeah. where he sees Demi Moore banging someone else, and his ghost is watching it. That would be annoying when you're dead. <laughs> Uncomfortable. I, I think when you die, there's no more pain. That's what the the, the God says. I think the God. But the God. But uh, anyway, so this is episode one twenty eight. You watch, I listen. Uh, this week, I'm going to be reviewing um, Attila's, um, uh, what's the name of the fucking album again? About That Life. About That Life. And uh, we're going to call up Taylor to get his review on A Prayer Before Dawn. Uh, just me and Josh today, and we'll see you guys in the You Watch, a I Listen podcast starts now. Had to be evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, take it out, take it out. <laughs> yeah, oh, suck it nice and slow. <laughs> Couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. Oh, suck it nice. <laughs> what did he do wrong? It's time for the You Watch, I Listen podcast. And always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. As we said, this episode 128 of You Watch, I Listen, uh, Taylor feeling a little bit under the weather, so he's not here. But I'm going to ask, just in case Taylor is here, Taylor, how was your week? Uh, my week was okay, Dan. Thank you for asking. Well, we got Taylor on the line. I am there in spirit. You are here in spirit. Um, you know, I've told the guys you're feeling a little under the weather. And, you know, with the, the COVID on the rise, just better be safe than sorry. And you stay home and we'll just do your your uh, review, your pick for the week, and then uh, we'll let you fuck off. 
I, that sounds like a fucking plan to me, dog. Yeah. So, Josh, how was your week? Uh, my week was solid. I copped a PS5. I guess we'll talk about that a little. Yeah, bit I'm later. sure we'll talk about the PS5. Um, you got your iPhone Max. <laughs> yeah, I got. Today was a very expensive week. Or today, today was, was an expensive, expensive week. week. Yeah. This week was a very expensive week for me. Yeah, it's been an expensive few months for you. New car, yeah. uh, new iPhone. It's been, ex- oh, it's, it's been an expensive year. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we're talking about the year, we're like 12 tires, new car. I, no, uh, actually, I haven't had a lot of tires this year. Well, I'm counting the full calendar year because the tire thing started within okay, this calendar fair enough, year. Fair so we'll say at least four tires. Um, new iPhone, another new iPhone, <laughs> new Mac, yeah. iPad, yeah. and uh, PS5. So uh, my week was was fine. Work is good. Um, you know, I'm still embracing for another lockdown. I think we're all kind of like expecting yeah. that to happen. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm trying to think if I did anything uh, exceedingly exciting this week, and the answer is no. Um, I live a very very, very dull life. It's still no nut November. I'm going pretty strong, but I'm rocking like a solid, the solid chub, at least half chub, like 18 hours a day. Like right now, I could fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, no, I gave up on no, I gave up on no nut November in the first week, just like I gave up on silver October. <laughs> well, you know what happened was on November 1st, I woke up not thinking about what the day was and I just fucking jacked off. Like I woke up and just pulled my dick out and started jerking off and I came and then I was like, oh shit, it's November 1st and I had to clean myself up and be like, all right, now it's no no, no November. So here we are. Uh, loads all over the house. Oh, uh, dude, no, I just got so many loads backed up in me. The first load when this is over is going to be massive. It's going to be disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to get someone pregnant that lives three houses down. Um, but anyway, uh, Taylor, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I definitely want you to go first because I've been itching all week to uh, hear what you have to say about this. So before you go into it, I actually was listening to it a couple days ago just to refresh my memory. Sure. And uh, even, again, seven years removed and listening to it again, yo, oh my God. Is that a yo, oh my God, good or bad? It's very bad. Dude, Taylor, I'm going to give you uh, major props right now because you have officially dethroned Ralph for the worst album that's been given to me on this show. <laughs> this is... The, I would I, I would rather listen to Arcade Fire than this garbage. And this garbage I'm talking about is Attila's About That Life. Now, this is what's so weird about it is that when you gave it to me, Josh had an instant physical eye roll and he had a spiritual eye roll as well. Like, his whole energy changed. He was, like, mad that you gave it to me and I was like alright my expectations are so low it can't be as bad as Josh made it sound guess what guys it is so uh, I just want to say a couple things about this first um, you know like there's those people that when you tell them you like metal they're like oh that's screaming shit it's terrible because maybe they've heard like one Pantera song which isn't even that much screaming right this is what I imagine all those people think all metal sounds like is Attila <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. Um, so when I start out with the first song, Middle Fingers Up, I wrote... Um, I, every song got a one, um, and because I didn't want to put zeros, but this album is a fucking... Um, it's like Animal House. Zero point zero. Um, the, the, the first song, Middle Fingers Up, I wrote, What the fuck, preachy dog shit. Um, Hellraiser, I just wrote... I wrote... 
Uh, I didn't put any like I at this point two songs in. I just stopped typing out like what I thought of the songs, and then I started again. So Hellraiser was a one. Rageaholics was a one. Backtalk was a one. And then Leave a Message came along, and um, I I was listening to it, and I got angry, and I really wanted to. Le- What's the guy's name? Franz. What does he call himself? Franzilla from Attila. Franzilla from Attila. Franzilla from Attila. If I can get the, the metalcore millionaire. Okay, if I could get this guy's phone number. I would love to leave him a voicemail, challenge him to a fight, <laughs> fuck his mother, beat up his mother, and then fuck him. The, he, what a what a douchebag. Um, About That Life is actually the only song I gave a zero. These are the biggest douche lyrics I've ever heard in my life. There's a lyric about a woman riding his dick while he's playing PlayStation. To do what, dude? If you're playing online, you're going to lose. That that doesn't work. I've tried hooking up while playing PlayStation. It doesn't work well. Because if you're getting your dick sucked, let alone fucking, you're too distracted to do anything. Forget it. Um, Thug Life. This song just fully enforced that this album is written by someone who thinks he's a lot cooler than he is, and he feels he has to portray that image. It's so fucking gimmicky. Break shit, I'd rather listen to break stuff. This was a bad like ripoff of Limp Bizkit. It was horrible. Uh, Gimmicks and Lies is just an interlude, but he, I, I really hated this one because the S in the song is a money sign. Fuck you. That's unnecessary. Go away. Call out a one. How many times can someone say, suck my dick on one album? I counted five. <laughs> a truly self-righteous piece of shit song that makes me like the Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, unforgivable was unlistenable drivel. Shots of the boys is the one. Party with the devil gave me douche chills. The New Kings was a painful end to a painful experience. Now, if I was 14 and I just really started to come in my own on metal and I thought I was cool and I was tough and I talked about being in mosh pits even though I've been to one show with my fucking dad and it was a fucking cover band, maybe I would think this was cool. And even then, if I did, I probably would have killed myself a year later because it would have shown my level of intelligence with anything in the world. If you're an adult, I'm glad. I'm so glad you said that it's bad when you listen to it. If you're an adult that can tell me this is a good album now, I will fight you. <laughs> oh my God, Taylor. It was almost that makes sense. It was an, an entertaining experience because I it's been you know we're 128 episodes in and I have not heard an album remotely I, I haven't listened to an album I won't say bad that I disliked as much as the Arcade Fire album. I don't want to say the Arcade Fire album is bad. It's just not for me. It doesn't do it for me. This is a bad album. Like even the music is generic. Like it, it sounds like every group of like decent high school to college musicians that form a, a metal band. And they're decent. I can't say they're bad musicians. For what they do, they're fine. But there's no like ingenuity to it. It's just so vanilla and such ass. Uh, zero yeah, point I zero. I, I think that I think that sums it up. Uh, <laughs> a, a low drone. Uh, yeah. But, I, uh, no, so the here's my thing with Attila. The album before this, Rage, is a legitimately great metalcore record. Okay. At the time when this came out, I believe it was like 2013. Um, this was when Attila made the full-on switch to this shock value that they're yeah. really known for. It's a now. gimmick. It's a gimmick. And uh, it's without, it's kind of here. Here's why I respect Franz a lot, and I understand what you're saying because I've been around Attila. They've been around for a very long time, and the big thing is that ever since they switched to this kind of gimmick. They really just live the gimmick. Like, they really don't break kayfabe, so I do have a lot of respect for that. 
And I mean, he does, he does like live that life that he talks about. So I, I respect that. I think Franz is a phenomenal uh, front man. As far as lyrically, it's, it's very, it's very dog shit. It's douchey. Like here. So I'm going to, I'm going to read uh, lyrics from the, uh, from call out. Please. Uh, one are, are uh, again, shock value. It's, it's so, it's so like demeaning and it's so ridiculous. And it's not to mention so contradictory. Here's this is from Call Out. If you hate gay people, you should get your ass beat. Ugh. You're a closed-minded faggot bitch. Kiss my feet. I don't live for tomorrow, and I fuck for today. I try to I try to pay, uh, pray to God, but I'm too busy getting paid. Yeah, like I, that was what? that. I was literally when I first heard it, and I was driving, and. My the douche chills on the back of my neck stood up so bad. I really just thought about gunning it and driving into a fucking pole like I'm Ryan Dunn. I w- I was so ready to be done. Wow. I I just couldn't believe that people could justify this as quality music at all. And listen, I get it's a gimmick. As a pro wrestling fan, I appreciate when people can live the gimmick. But you can't. I don't want. If someone tells me like I think it's funny and dumb, fine. I can respect that. I can I can get down with that to an extent. If that's what you're into, that's what you're into. But if someone legitimately said to me, "Dude, they're awesome," and then they played that for me, I would I would if I didn't have a plate of fucking spaghetti, I would go and make some spaghetti. I would make some fucking sauce. I would make a really nice plate, and then I would throw the plate of spaghetti at them. <laughs> So that's, that, that's a long. Let me guess. Let me guess. You get a one or a zero, huh? Uh, uh the album. What does it get? It, it's a fucking zero point zero. Yeah, it's it's like from uh, what is it, Billy Madison? I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. What, what's up, landlord? Oh, uh, like ten minutes ago, or right before we came in. Um, sorry, they're just taking uh, landlord's taking Lacey out. Um, she was hi, Lacey. hi, Lacey from Taylor. Um, yeah, so 0.0, it was um, it, it hurt my soul. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Taylor, take it away. All right, so uh, the movie I mean, was a prayer before dawn. Yes, it's actually based on a book written by this guy named Billy Moore who had been who had spent time in and out of jail in the UK and in Thailand. This particular story takes place in a Thai prison filmed the majority with uh, actual prisoners from that Thai prison. I forget the name of the prison, but it's a real place. Yep. And, uh, you know, he, he's a boxer, um, essentially, in Thailand. And, you know, he's kind of, he, he gets mixed up with the wrong crowd. He's, he's very hard into drugs. I mean, even before he went to Thailand, Yeah, he was an addict. The, you know, he was an, I mean, he was an addict. He was a, he was a career criminal. Um, actually, I learned at, this, this movie premiered in 2018, and the real-life Billy Moore actually missed the premiere because of a burglary charge that he was in jail yep. for. From his own movie, he, he, Dude, he couldn't he, make his own movie. He was a real G. Yeah, like, I, I, again, I kind of respect it because, you know, he's the same person that he's been. So, yeah. I mean, if you get better, you get better. It is what it is. But, um, it's. I mean, this movie is very startling. It's brutal. Uh, there, are, there are a couple parts where it's legit hard to watch. There's other parts that kind of leave you in suspense of what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Because, you know, it, listen, a uh, Thai uh, prison, I, I, I did some um, research on, like, the worst prisons in the world. Yeah. Thailand is constantly in the top five yeah, dude. Of worst prisons in the world. Um, mostly because he's uh, you're, they put you in a cell, uh, you know, a, a general cell with 70 other people. 
and there's no beds. You just sleep on the floor with one pillow, and you're all right on top of each other. Yep. You're in there with gang members, rapists, all this stuff. So Billy Moore is sentenced to jail because he's, um, you know, he's smoking crack or doing heroin, whatever it was over there. And, you know, he's sent to Thai prison. So upon arrival in Thai prison, um, he where he's told to sleep, he's already sleeping next to a dead body. Yep. And I believe it was day three or four, at least how it's depicted in the movie, in the prison, there's a really brutal, brutal prison rape scene. Yeah, that really was hard very hard. I was, like, very, very uncomfortable when I saw that. Didn't I, And I didn't like it at all. Um, I will say from a creative standpoint, I think that not using any type of score during that uh, scene was a, a good idea. Yes. Gotta, I mean, listen, it's, it's fucking prison rape. It's not hard to get the message across. Yeah. And so, just it sets like, the atmosphere. It almost puts you in that spot that Billy Moore was. It's really startling to, to watch that. And then, you know, after that happens, the very next morning when they wake up, the kid hung himself. It's, yeah. It's, it's fucked up. Um, but you, you do get kind of redemption, um, in this movie a little bit. When, so again, uh, Billy Moore's is trying to survive this prison, trying to survive all these gang members, trying to survive crooked, uh, crooked officers yeah. and, uh, guardsmen. And he finds that there's a Thai kickboxing gym within the prison. So now he's got to try to find the buyer's way in. Um, I believe the currency was cigarettes as in, mo- as is in most prisons. Uh, darts, darts. Yes. Darts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, and he befriends this vendor called Fame, who turns out, as I, I'm pretty sure, and I, I listen, it's not, a, I don't mean to say it the way it is, but it's the way it was, it was read in the article that I read, was that did Billy Moore really have a romantic uh, encounter with a quote unquote lady boy? Yeah, transgender. Tra- yeah, lady boy in Thailand, transgender everywhere else. Yes, it was a transgender, and yes, that is true. Correct. Um, so. Again, like that was some redemption to him because you feel like that there's, you know, finally like this guy is getting like some family and love that he deserves. Some humanity to him. His dad was an abusive, yeah. His dad was an abusive alcoholic. He really wasn't close with his brothers. I I really, I couldn't find out what happened to his mother, really. Yeah. uh, In real life, but um, guy pretty much had no family, and uh, it was cool because when he gets into the boxing, the coach kind of sees. That he's got, you know, he's got a lot of potential. He's got good form and technique and shit. And he's so got like, heart. You know, what, what, yeah, he's got heart. Like, let's train this kid. Let, let's get him, you know, let's get him, uh, let's get him fucking, like, beating people's asses. Um, and then there's another, there's another starring part in the movie. Because now, he's, he, when he becomes a part of the Thai kickboxing team, they move him to a different part of the yeah. prison, which is much easier. You know, everyone's not as violent criminals, which I'm sure they are, but they have something else to take. They have a, a level of, dis- they have a level of discipline. Correct. And the one scene that's truly lighthearted throughout this entire film is when uh, the entire team is in their cell and they have a pillow fight. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. They're all fucking with each other. They're all playing around. You know, so it, it, it adds a bit of levity to the situation. But what they do, what the director, I don't know who the director is, but what he does so well is right after that really good feel-good moment is when Billy Moore is then cornered by his old cellmates, this gang, these gang leaders, and the guy puts a syringe in his arm, pulls a syringe out, and he goes, you better win or we'll fucking kill you. And he holds a syringe with his own blood in it, and he looks in his face and he goes, I have AIDS. Yeah. What? A pinprick. kind of laughed a little bit at the break. <laughs> I have AIDS. It's, it's how Tom Hanks what? told everyone in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I have AIDS. You what? 
Yeah. And that's the thing that that's the thing that they do in those prisons is if they want to get at you, they won't shank you, they won't slit your throat, they they blood prick you, and they give you HIV. Yeah, it's uh, it's really brutal. And then you know he has he has like a he has like two there's only two fights really yeah the training scenes and him surviving the prison, um, you know it all culminates with uh you know a, a, a tie fight at the end, um where the gang is supposed to you know if he doesn't lose if he doesn't win he's gonna fucking die and get AIDS and shit and he ends up knocking the guy out it's a bit of a feel good moment um at the end of the movie but you know and then when I was reading about this and then reading the book it was told that or Billy Moore said and whoever directed this said that listen this is just this is just a painting of a point in time in this guy's life because there's so much other shit oh yeah on. you could have made a series about this guy pretty much and then the other thing too was I, I don't remember if it was at the end I think it might have been um, when he sees his dad or his dad comes and sees yes. him I think it was before or after the fight so when it pans and you see his dad Turns out that's the real. Billy yep, Moore. that's Billy Moore playing Billy Moore playing his father, which I think is an awesome touch to the end of the movie. It was nice, and I do like the end of the movie where it's just the real Billy Moore staring in the camera, just says his name on the bottom. Yeah, I think that was just a nice little touch, kind of like without saying anything, he's looking like he's looking directly at the camera, like this is a. Uh, the fuck uh come and see or uh i'm thinking of ending things where they're just staring at the camera yep. same thing. and what he's basically conveying to you with just that dead stare is like yeah all this happened i had to live through this shit this is real you know yeah so uh i i really i i don't want to say i enjoyed this movie because there's nothing really enjoyable about it no it's not an easy it's not an easy watch at all it's a it's a really really good movie but i would not say it's like um sits there and you have a good feeling in your stomach yeah, no, I, I, I legit felt felt sick. Like, I wanted to go take a shower after, which I did. Yeah. And then, uh, but, I mean, if I really have to give it an honest rating because it, it, it conveys the message and what the, you know. And the guy that plays, by the way, the guy the guy that plays Billy Moore, uh, Joe Cole, is fucking great in this movie. Yeah, he was really good. I mean, listen, being put in a real prison with Thai prisoners and having to act alongside them, I'm, listen, I, I've never been to jail I've been to prison. And not like not like you've claimed to be. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to know what that experience no, is like. No, no, no. The only other time I've heard of that happening, and listen, the only person that could pull that off is Gene Wilder. Yeah. You know, with Richard Pryor. It's stir crazy. Back down when they were doing uh, stir crazy. Yep. It was fucking ridiculous. Um, but honest grading, because it is a very good movie, I'll give it a 7-2. Fair. Um, I think anything lower than a seven is doing the movie a disservice because good. it is very good. It's very well made, and I give it a point. I give it like a point two, point four bonus because it's a twenty four, and we're and you know we're yeah. We watch a twenty four. I listen to metal. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm rocking my a twenty four shirt right now, actually. So um, I'm, I'm wearing my a twenty four hat as we speak. There we go. Well, I'm glad you. I had a feeling you'd end up liking that one because that's like up your alley of like. Um, it, like hard to watch, but a redemption story to an extent as well. And um, we we even if we say, when movies make us uncomfortable, we always like a little gratuitous violence. I guess not. Yeah, definitely. I can feel it all the way down. No, 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 in my no, 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 we do, and it's like it's my level. Yeah. Like Fair. Willing to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. All right. So um, the pick for this week, Taylor, and Josh, I want you to watch it as well. Okay. You've bailed out in the last like two, three movies I gave you. So 
there will actually be a punishment if you don't watch uh, okay, next week. Enough. And um, it's probably like a Muay Thai kick. Um, oh. Yeah, no, that's a deal. Um, so I told, I told you, in the, yeah, I, I wasn't even thinking like that, but I, I just wanted to kick Josh, I guess. Um, so I told you in the group chat, um, I haven't seen this movie yet either. So we're all going in raw dog on this one. Um, it's coming out on Netflix this Friday. Uh, it's David Fincher's latest film. Uh, David Fincher of, you know, The Social Network, Fight Club, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Dog Shit Alien 3. Um, but, you know, uh, and then obviously Seven, which is probably my favorite of his movies. Um, it's called Mank. Now, this movie is about Herman Mankiewicz, um, and it's about his battles for the screenplay credit over the script for maybe the greatest film ever made, Citizen Kane. Um, so this stars Gary Oldman, who we all love. How could you not love Gary Oldman? Um, but it's a really good cast. Amanda Sifree, Lily Collins, Charles Dance is in this fucking movie. Can't really go wrong. Filmed in black and white. It's supposed to kind of capture that last, le- the golden age of Hollywood kind of thing. It looks like it's got a bit of a comedy level to it. I heard I've what I've heard about it so far is Gary Oldman is so fucking good in it, which you could you expect anything less? Um, the stories about how Fincher wanted to film this are legendary already. He made him film one scene like 112 times. Um, now, what's cool about this is this was actually his father's script. Um, it was a project that his father always wanted to get done but couldn't get done before his father passed away. So he's kind of filling his father's last ever written thing. Um, it's a classic story in Hollywood. You know, we all, Taylor, you just watched Citizen Kane again recently. So uh, I love that fucking movie. So as a fan of that, it's going to be cool to see that these little things that maybe we didn't know about the backstage de- de- uh, dealings of it. So the movie pick for this week for all of us is Mank. I really can't wait for that because uh, I am a massive fan of uh, anything Orson Welles yeah. did. And, uh, you know, Citizen Kane, is it speaks for itself. It's yeah. When you talk about movies, when you talk about... And, so, and someone brings up Citizen Kane, one, they're either being a pretentious cunt, yeah. or they know what they're talking about. It's up for you to And, and what, what's but, cool about this is, like, or Citizen Kane, the character is based on William Henry Hurst, um, you know, one of the great, the original American publishers, and he hated the idea of this movie being made that's supposed to paint him in a negative light. So a lot of it's going to be about going after him, and I guess there's flashback storytelling, so I'm really excited excited to watch this one too sweet cool okay so for my pick this week because uh, it's been kind of heavy the last three weeks sure i want to lighten the mood a little bit okay um i asked you earlier in the week how familiar you are with a particular band yes and you said you you go kind of deep but not too deep i wouldn't say i'm album deep i'm song deep with them yeah i think that's fair um and this is a band I've always known existed, but I never really gave the time of day because it's like, oh, yeah, they're playing, of course, they've been around forever. Yeah, they're one of those um, bands so people the, like propping up. Yeah, so if anyone's going to take a guess, which you're not going to get, so the band I'm going to give you this week is uh, MXPX, and the album is from 2000, The Ever-Passing Moment. Um, throughout my extensive YouTube, Wikipedia research, and Spotify, um, this seems to be my favorite album and the album I gravitate to the most, uh, simply because it's just the most fun to me. I mean, all of MXPX is really a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. It's just when you listen to this stuff from 1992, it, like, it's hard, like, it's hard to believe that, like, when you listen to them from back, like, their first album in 1992, you listen to them and you listen to Green Day in the 90s and you're thinking to yourself, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The big thing is, and the big thing is really nothing in the 90s. But obviously, you know Nimrod and Dookie—that's that's a whole different story. Sure. But when you listen to when you listen to the bands congruent to them, it, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things I really really enjoy. 
Uh, Mike Herrera is a bona fide legend in his own right. Um, MXPX, I believe it'll be in 2022, will be celebrating uh, 30 years. As Jesus, band, 30 is, years. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Which is, which is a massive milestone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, um, Some bands don't last 10 years. Is, I mean, it, it, you, you would be lucky if a band lasts 10 years and, and lasts longer than 10 years without doing any shitty reunion shows. Which yeah. Which is like, yeah. you know. But, um, and the thing is, they were originally a three-piece, and the original guitar player left. My career is a bass player and a frontman, which is very rare nowadays. And their uh, their drummer Yuri. So you have two original play. You have two original members still in the band, and you have two other new guitar players. But they joined in like 2000. They've been a part of the band for 20 years. So good for them. Okay. You know, it's all good. Cool. Um, I really, really enjoy this record. I really enjoy this band. I wish I had really listened to them the entire time. I've been listening to music like this because they would easily be in the top upper echelon of bands I love, like the Wonder Years and Newfound Glory, Spanish Love Songs, Knuckle Puck. Shit like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Starting line, simple. I can go forever. But, yes, you can. Uh, yeah, MX, MXPX, uh, the ever passing moment is my pick this week. Cool. I'm pumped to listen to it. I'm sure I know a bunch of the songs off it, but I'm excited to listen to it uh, front to back. So, uh, Taylor, yeah, th- thanks for jumping on and giving us your review. Um, feel better. And uh, I got your football picks, and we will see, uh, probably see you Sunday for the Dolphins Broncos game. Yeah, see you or see you at another yeah, time. Peace out, Jizbong. All right, so that uh, thank you to Taylor for jumping on. I know he's not feeling well, so thank you for giving his review. Um, Josh, what'd you watch this week? I uh, didn't watch too much, so you know I'm I'm continuing on with my uh, series watch through or rewatch through of How I Met Your Mother, which of course is one of my favorite network okay. shows of all time. Very good. I know how you feel about network TV, but um, there's some. Listen, I've been diving in a little more. Um, I finished up Community, like I talked about, which is a network show, and right. I ended up loving it. And I'm I'm kind of rewatching it with the landlord because she started on it, so I just pop in for episodes randomly. Yep. She gets home way before me, so she's already like you know she's already into season two, um, and then um. Taylor and Bob talked about Brooklyn Nine Nine a lot, which I tried when it first started. Yeah, didn't love because it's. I have a weird relationship with Andy Samberg. I like him a lot sometimes, and other times he just annoys me because it's it's very gimmicky what yeah. he does. You ever watch Hot Rod? I didn't love Hot Rod, but maybe I need so, it's another one I need to so revisit. So you need to rewatch it because it's not good, but it's dumb. Well, he just had one that came out on Hulu a few months ago, Palm Springs, yeah. um, that I ended up loving. It was really, really good. It was very funny. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I'm just about done with season one. I'm, I'm enjoying. I won't say I love it, yeah. but there's a, I, I love the uh, Elmo guy from I Love You Man in it. He's a fucking riot. Yeah. Um, the Terry Crews he's, is really he's funny. He's very versatile because he's, fu- he's funny for different reasons in a lot of the stuff that he's in. Like in... Uh, it's super bad. And super you guys bad. got MySpace? Um, <laughs> in, uh, in Role Models, how he plays the over-the-top LARP player. Yeah, and yeah. My, my, for some reason, it's just so stupid because we love stupid stuff here at You Watch, I Listen. Um, one of my my favorite line that really stands out from him in that movie is they're getting ready for the big fight at the end. Yeah, yeah. And he's walking down. And he goes, let us get ready to dance with swords. <laughs> Dude, I know. No, he has a couple of funny lines in that, too. But So he's really funny. Um, it, it's, a, it's a funny show, and I can see where it's going, and I think it all all ended up liking more and more. Yeah. But um yeah, it's on network TV as much as it is like sitcoms. Yeah. Laugh tracks kind of take me out of it because I can't help but think about what the joke is just the way my brain works. Yeah. And it what that would sound like without a laugh track. So uh, what what I like what I find interesting about how I met your mother is there there is a laugh track. You know, sure, all sure. C- I, all CBS comedies yeah, of have course. laugh tracks. Um 
Not Young Sheldon. No. <laughs> I think it's, it's at CBS. It probably yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I find myself laughing at parts that are not on the laugh track. Constantly. And that happens with sitcoms a lot of times. Like, I'll, I'll put on, like, when I'm laying down and I, everybody loves Raymond. Because yeah. I, I know the show. It's easy to fall asleep to. And there's parts just, like, little things like the way characters look at each other or the react body language things. And if you know the nuances of the show, you'll pick up on it on multiple watches. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't have as much an issue with how I met I don't have really any issue with How I Met Your Mother. But the only time reason I couldn't do it is I can't take Neil Patrick Harris serious in that role. Yeah, but that's the, that's the point. Is He's he's so good in it because it's a caricature of that type I, of person. I, I know, but I can't buy him in it. <laughs> it the, 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 I, I just picture him doing show tunes. <laughs> it's really hard. And that's why I like Hugh Jackman. I don't really like him in anything besides Wolverine. Right. Uh, I, I liked him in Bad Education because he's playing a gay guy. Like It made sense. Like I'm like, I can't picture you up there doing, or out of that, 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 that. And then you're a fucking ladies' man? Fuck off. <laughs> like, leave me alone. Um, but what did I watch this week? I forgot to mention last week, um, I got str- I got a, um, an invite from, uh, I think it was MGM, to do a virtual screening of their new movie with Kevin Costner and Di- Diane Lane, yeah. uh, Let Him Go, which is pretty good. It was I wouldn't call it fantastic, but it was like a classic like Western revenge story. Um, I was like, they were playing farmers who, whose son um, had bad shit happen to him. Like, holy shit, this is a prequel to Man of Steel. Like, it's literally the first thing I thought, Martha. And but it was pretty cool. There was some great fucking violence. Yeah, touching off oh, tornadoes coming. Let me just reach my hand out, jerk off. <laughs> um, some really good violence in it, um, which I liked. But on Sunday, and I told, or on Saturday night, you still have to watch this fucking movie, um, the the dark and the wicked. Dude. Oh yeah, yo. Oh, it, it it was as good a horror movie as I've seen in recent memory. It's fucked up. Yeah. There was a scene in the last like half hour where my jaw was dropped like for two minutes straight. And then the same scene, something happened in it where it dropped even further. I was like, get the fuck out of here. The, the, the essence of the movie was very uncomfortable. There was some legitimately creepy shit in it. Like if I saw this in the theater and had the full like experience, I would actually have been like really creepy out. Yeah. Landlord was not happy about watching it. She's like, this is fucked up. She's like, why does this... She's like, I could tell when she's not enjoying a movie experience. Is it like gross out or is it just like fucked up? There's a couple... I would say there's only two real gross out scenes. One of them is very early where I was like, oh, oh shit. There's a couple of them in there. And it's yeah. really a cast that like you don't... I, I don't know any of these people. Yeah. Um, it, the director was only his fourth movie. His first big movie was um, uh, The Strangers which was a very big movie when it came out. Yep. Which I've actually grown a bigger appreciation for over the years, um, and this is only his fourth one. The score in it is great. I would call it like a blend of Hereditary and The Witch. Okay. There's like that kind of feel to it, but I legitimately love this movie. Like I, I was so like it was so on my mind after watching it, and I was like, I don't know if I could give this to Taylor because he would fucking be scared. Yeah, like he would be scared by it, and I could see why people are scared by it. It's there was a, a, a how I react to scary movies now. And I'm like, oh shit, fuck that, fuck you. <laughs> Landlord's sitting there, like I could tell she's not enjoying a scary movie experience or a movie that's like very, uh, like a thriller. If it's making her anxious, she'll on her phone. She's looking out the window and shit. Like I can't do this. I can't do this. She's talking to the fucking cats, talking to the dog. I'm sitting there, like yeah, like fucked up shit's happening. I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. Few good jump scares, but didn't rely on them, which I like. Yeah. Fit them in. Don't make it the crutch of your fucking movie. Um, and then, uh, then I because I watched that, or had her watch that, I had to watch it. A horrific rom-com. Oh, I, God. Maybe horrific isn't the right word because, you know, like, oh, I think the most common thing in movies that a lot of them start out really good, yeah. but then they don't stick the landing. Mm-hmm. 
I thought this one, for what it was, it stuck the landing, but it was very rough taking off. Right. Um, it tried recreating like what Sleepless in Seattle did, which has a lot of those cut scenes where people are telling their own love story. Yeah. And it, it's called the Broken Hearts Gallery, and it's basically about this girl who just, she's like a art curator, and she decides to she meets this guy who plays the douchebag brother on Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, that that guy looks like a bootleg Zac Efron. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking. He's about. a good actor. He's actually was very good in this movie, and um, the whole concept of it is she let he let he's opening a hotel and he lets her start displaying she keeps all these mementos of people she broke up with and then all these other people start bringing stuff mementos of people they broke up with so quote the broken hearts gallery uh, so there's like a story behind it I think conceptually for listen this is never going to be my type of movie right? but conceptually it's an interesting idea and it probably I was watching I'm like this would probably work better as a series but of course it had to hit all the tropes of diversity that you need because I'm I said to the landlord like she wasn't laughing at some of the things I'm like this isn't made for us dude this is made for like I, Selena Gomez produced it. Oh, this is made for God. this is made for age group fourteen to twenty three. Yeah, we missed the cut. Um, but I did think they did a decent job at the end. Um, I, I would still never watch that piece of shit again. I could sit there. I don't hate rom coms always because there are some good ones out. No, there. no, there are good ones. I prefer the romantic dramedy to uh, like the comedy. Notebook. No, not no, the straight no, romance no, no, movie. No, no, like, a, no, like no, no. Uh, I would say okay. the Notebook is a straight romance movie. Okay, like um, Silver Linings Playbook is a, a romantic drama. Yeah. Um, Titanic is a romantic. No, no, drama. no, no. Drama D. So like oh, blends like I, like Five Hundred Days. Of like Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Those I would say I prefer those as well. I don't mind a romantic drama like Silver Linings Playbook. I legitimately love. It's yeah. a great fucking movie. But yeah, the romantic dramedy like so like dude, Ten Things I Hate About You is like that. It's a great fucking movie from her. Even Clueless is like that. It's a classic. You know, uh, I really like what's the one. Um, Love Actually. I don't like Love Actually. Really? That one, that one, I didn't like. That was at a time. It not, I think that movie kind of kicked it off. Is when all these movies came out that it was all these storylines converging to one. Yeah. Like he's just not that into you. You know, it was. It was. What I like about it is it's it's not such like a heavy comedy. You know, it's kind of, it's quirky, uh, and it really kind of kicked off that type of movie too. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, super quirky. Sure. And you've got like awkward people in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's funny because it's relatively early in the 2000s, so you see a lot of people that Andrew are like Lincoln. Huge Fucking and stars Andrew now. Lincoln in that baby Andrew phase. Lincoln, Colin Firth, um, the kid that played Jojen Reed on and, fucking Game of Thrones. Which he's on that show, uh, Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Um, he's one of the main, like, it's weird. He's in that on Queen's Gambit, and so is the one that played um, well, the Dursleys on Harry Potter, the fat cousin. Yeah. Yeah. He's on that, but he's skinny now, okay. which is so weird. He was also in that movie, The Devil All the Time, that's on Netflix with Tom Holland. Yeah. Um, and he's, like, skinny, and it's so weird to see because he doesn't look like he did in Harry Potter. Right. Um, but the other thing both of us watched is uh, we're all caught up in Mandalorian. Yes. Uh, fantastic so far. This season. Um, This season... Or this episode was the first time it heavily referenced the. I mean, the season finale of season one, you got the dark saber. That was the first real pull in from the Clone Wars. Yep. The stuff that real only Star Wars nerds follow. But this one went even deeper, bringing in a character. It's funny because you texted me, it's like, there's some heavy shit in here. And I'm like, Clone Wars? You're like, yeah, I was like, this is like Bo Katan. And I'm like, uh, you didn't say anything. Yeah. And I watched, I'm like, yeah, Bo Katan. Sasha Banks debut. She was very good in her role. Yep. Um, now, uh, we didn't get to talk about episode two, which I thought was great. I loved all the stuff with the frog lady. Yeah. Um, frog ladies, they. This is the thing the Mandalorian is doing so well, is that it's capturing like the weird parts of Star Wars that the original trilogy really leaned into. Yeah. Like the cantina and all the weird fucking creatures in there. They bring in this fucking species we've never seen in Star Wars, and now it became. Cu- 
controversy, quote unquote, about Baby Yoda eating the frog eggs, right? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen some of these stories. I've seen the <laughs> stories. I've seen the tweets. I've seen all of it. Okay. Like, we need to fucking calm down. Okay. Can I say, I've said this a couple times uh, over the course of the show. We've talked about stories. People are offended by this and this and that. The big problem is, is that. Uh, a person this started on Yahoo, I think, was the first story to post it. Right? Mm-hmm. Who is a, a, a fucking clickbait? It's crazy because Yahoo, fifteen years ago, everyone's email was fucking Yahoo. Um, but what they do is they pull in tweets from people that have like thirty followers because they're offended. They've searched Mandalorian, they search um, uh, disgust, Mandalorian, disgusting, uh, offended, yada yada, and they get these tweets from these people who have like no following, and then they amplify them and they create a story out of nothing. Yep. So all these women that are, um, I, I want to say it's mostly women. I can't say that definitively. I didn't look at every fucking tweet. But they're offended that Baby Yoda's eating the eggs of the frog lady that she um, Mandalorian's trying to bring her to see her husband so that they can fertilize the eggs in her um, family line can carry on. Correct? Yes. That's the way to say it. Um, so they're offended by this because uh, they're talking about in vitro and how women have trouble getting pregnant and yada yada. And I'm like, listen, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. But I'm saying, shut the fuck up. Like, it, first off, it, it, someone I, I can't believe someone actually replied to this. Like, they're not fertilized eggs. Shut up. It wasn't like they were... Abor- there are people comparing it to abortion yeah. and shit like that. It also... It, I don't think it was necessarily supposed to be funny because it just shows how fucking Baby Yoda doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And I, I just, like, really, that's what you took away from it. You were so... If you're that bothered by that, don't watch anything. Yeah, right. Hey, you're, you need to go back to watching the news, you know, the stuff that actually is horrifying shit happening on it. And But the series has just been... Um, I don't know how Favreau does it. It was cool that this episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, I thought this episode reminded me a lot of Solo because it was the whole heist thing going on. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to be really excited how they bring in uh, Billy D. Williams... Not Billy D. Williams. Um, fucking uh, Apollo Creed back into it. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How they bring him back into it. Billy, um, D. Billy D. Williams. I'm confusing my black Star Wars characters. <laughs> and um, how they're going to pull in uh, 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 Gina Carano from Parlor. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is this is a really weird one for me because you know you're you like MMA, but you're not like me with MMA, right? You know, I was the one I was telling you about Gina Carano before she really even blew up in MMA. Before, yeah, and, before, and we were we were like 19, 18, 19 years yeah. old, and you weren't talking to me about her about MMA. No, no, I was like <laughs> she she's she's hot and she <laughs> fights, and um, you know, so it's been cool to see how she she hasn't fought since Cyborg took her fucking head off, um, but it's been cool to see her kind of evolve into this you know acting role. She had a big movie, Haywire, which was a decent action flick. Um, and then she gets his role in Mandalorian, and she's actually a pretty good actress. So now she's leaning into this political talk. And the parlor thing is so fucking weird, dude. We were talking about it today. And I, I said I wanted to go look at some of the stuff people post on there. I've seen enough screenshots, but smart for them is that they made it you had to have an account. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not making an account. No because the last thing I need way. is I might make a parlor. And then not look at it for a couple days. And the next thing I know is I'm followed by like 40 neo-Nazis. And then suddenly I'm linked to that. Yeah. And it's it's just so funny that the group, because this was started by Dan Boningo, or uh, what's his name, Bonagino. Yeah, something like that. Um, a conservative guy. He's just a fucking crybaby. He's like every liberal but on the right. He create. It's funny that all the conservatives that talk about snowflakes created their own little safe space, yeah. which is fine. I'm not denying the Twitter, Facebook, all that are very left-leaning. You can't argue against that. That. No, it's but you can't 
it, this is what's so crazy because I, I didn't even say this at the beginning, but we're two weeks removed from the presidential election. We talked about it last week and people still aren't shutting the fuck up. But it does seem like I feel like it's tempering down a little because I think after today, they're one for 26 in court cases. Yeah, Trump keeps getting closer and closer and closer to admitting they lost. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I, mean, I saw Giuliani, people were talking, talking about today. He went up there in court in Pennsylvania and just made an ass of himself, which big fucking surprise there. <laughs> so fucking dumb. It, I, I don't get it. Like someone was like in there that's like um, yeah, uh, a legal scholar. You were allowed to listen to it. Like everyone was allowed to listen to it. Said if I was grading this, this is like a D level like um, uh, legal defense. And um, I, you know, people they went all excited last night because they found uh, eighteen hundred votes and eight hundred of them for Trump. Okay, what about the other thousand, dude? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, listen, have parlor. That's fine. I think I, the screenshots I've seen is they post some fucking gross shit on there. Yeah. It's a proud boy QAnon safe haven. And they're so stupid. They're very they're stupid. So stupid. Like, Martial Law spelled M A R S H A L. Brandon Marshall Law. But it, I don't know. The parlor thing is weird. Um, you know, I, I've we've talked about this in the group chat and I've talked about it on Twitter. But I need to mention it here about just how dumb my brain is. So on Saturday night, I'm take we watch the two movies and I'm taking a piss, doors wide open, and I'm taking a piss and all of a sudden just this fucking thought comes into my head. And I'm like, all right. And I go to the landlord, I'm like, Do you remember bananas and pajamas? And she starts laughing. She's like, Yeah, why? And I go, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't know. It just came to my fucking head. I mean, you've known me long enough now to know that sometimes just a weird thought comes into my fucking head, and there's no reasoning for it, and there's no like explanation to where I'm going to go with it. It's just bananas and pajamas come up. When is the last time, Josh, you legitimately thought about bananas and pajamas? I can't tell you. So, <laughs> so now, this song has been stuck in my head since then, and I just kept singing it. And so then Richie tells Text me on Sunday night, and he's like, "So my parents came to visit, and they brought me a bunch of my stuff that was at the house." And he's like, "Dude, look!" And it was a fucking bananas and pajamas stuffed animal that sings. What are the odds that after fucking twenty years of not thinking about this bullshit childhood show that I don't even think I watched, that Richie also gets back the bananas and pajamas toy from his family? What are why, the odds? Why are these bananas chasing teddy bears? I I don't understand. I, what is the point? Like, what is what? What happens on that show? I wish Richie was here. I don't actually wish he was here. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I could actually ask him about this, but he must have been a fan as a child to have the toy. Yeah, clearly. And what happened on the show? Like, I could think of all the childhood shows I watched that were clearly like in that age five to eight bracket. Yeah. Like Gullah Gullah Island. Yep. I remember very vividly. Mm -hmm. What did the bananas and pajamas do? And it was fucked up because the the, the commercial for it was a cartoon, but then it was just a bunch of people in stuffed bananas with pajamas on. Yeah. So, I, you hadn't thought about it since you were fucking eight. No. I didn't think about it until I'm sitting there holding my banana in pajama and taking a fucking leak, and there's no reasoning for it. And now I, I'm posting it, and someone commented, um, our uh, Pat's girlfriend commented on it, or she put the angry face reaction. So I've just been bombarding her with gifs and emojis and the song over and over again. <laughs> so you give me an angry face, you're going to get a lot of bananas and pajamas. Sure. But like I said, you've known me long enough to know that sometimes things just come to my head, and there's no reason for it. Right. And it doesn't actually, it never goes anywhere. I, I'm like a beautiful mind except it has no relevance to anything important yeah and i'm not banging jennifer connelly either no and i didn't die in a car wreck just a couple years ago in the new jersey parkway like he did 
Oh, I think we're talking about Russell Crowe for a second. I'm like, no, no, Russell no. The, the guy, alive. the, the guy that he was, the guy that he was playing. Oh. It'd be cool if the real guy was banging Jennifer Connelly. That would have been weird because he was old. Yeah, true. Yeah, he was old, and she still looks good. She might look better now than when she was younger. That happens a lot. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it. The first, I think some of the first titties any of us saw <laughs> was Kate Winslet in Titanic. Yes, factually. I think she looks better now than she did then, yeah. like when you see her. I, you know, her face, I think, looks better. And that could be plastic surgery, or she's aged like a fine wine. Dude, like, if you look at some of these uh, older actresses that, um, you know, we kind of grew up with, like... Why Why does Jennifer Aniston look like she does? I know. It doesn't make it's sense. It's not fair. Oh, let me ask you this. Are there any, like, actresses? J-Lo. Why does J-Lo, J-Lo look like this now? It doesn't make any sort of sense. Um, are there any actresses or famous people that are older? Like, I'm, not, I'm talking, like, 50s, 60s, maybe older, 70s even, that you look at and you're like, wow, she still looks really good and I'd probably smash. Yeah, Jane Seymour. Okay, fair. You know who I think looks pretty good when I see her is Helen Mirren. Okay, fair. I'm like, I see her sometimes. I'm like, wow, she looks good for an old bird. Wouldn't be my first choice. Might not be my ninth, but she might be tenth. <laughs> <laughs> might have to fucking spit on that cooch. <laughs> oh, dude, the, the the milk's gone bad. I have been watching a lot of Chappelle's show. It, it's just, it still never gets old. No. It never will. I, I fucking love it so much. Um, did you see Pope Francis was in the news this week? For what? <laughs> he, he liked a picture on Instagram. Uh-oh. Of some like bikini models, like yeah. half ass out, like in a thong bikini. All right, <laughs> like yo, that's gotta. What does that do for your confidence as yo, a woman? Or, an already hot woman, right? Yeah. But then the fucking pope, the most <laughs> celibate man on earth, unless it's a ten year old, <laughs> sorry, ten year old boy, is liking your pick. That means he's fucking. I guarantee you, that meant he took some blue chew and he <laughs> went on Instagram and just started fucking tugging, like he's in the Vatican in a fucking fifty million dollar gold-plated bathroom <laughs> pulling his pud to your bare ass. God bless the Pope, right? <laughs> you know, dude, and, that's awesome. It's so funny. A lot of people hate this Pope. Because what? he's very liberal, he Who said cares? that uh, he said that the gays should be allowed to have civil unions, even say marriage, but but civil unions so that if their spouse dies, they get the life insurance and things like that. I don't think that's a crazy concept. No, it's really you not. can be a, you can still think it's against your religion or whatever. But again, why do you give a fuck so much? That's what I don't get. Which is going to bring me to this next conversation. So Harry Styles, you know Harry Styles. I was actually talking to Troy about this yesterday. We were. Um we were playing some zombies online, and uh, we were just talking about uh, concerts and shit that we missed from sure. before COVID, because he was telling me about the August Burns Red digital show, okay, uh, which apparently was really fucking cool. I'm going to check it out. Um, and I was like, man, I fucking miss concerts. I was like, you know, I, I'll fucking go to any concert when it comes back. If the first concert is fucking Harry Styles, I'm there. And he starts laughing. I'm like, and he better be on stage in that fucking dress. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, dude, like there's there's certain things that happen. And, and I like to call it what the internet cares about. Sure, today. sure. Why the fuck did anybody care that this guy is on a magazine cover in a fucking dress? Who gives a shit? You got the people saying, oh, it's, you know, whatever they want to call it to demean it. And then you got the people like, oh, he's so brave. Okay, first brave. off, brave is the wrong word brave. to use. It's, this motherfucker's on a magazine cover in a dress. He's a millionaire. Yeah, it's not. Who gives a shit? It, it, well, that's the biggest thing. Who gives a shit? Bravery is not the right word. If he was coming out as a trans woman, sure, that's brave. Yeah. Great. Fine. The, listen, men have been doing this. Celebrity men have been doing this forever. That Kurt Cobain, David Bowie, mm-hmm. Iggy Pop. 
Dennis Rodman. There's millions of pictures of these assholes in fucking dresses. Yeah. Gold dust. Yeah. Let's be real. Like, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, some people just like to wear dresses, whatever. But it's been going on for so long that it's not even taboo. It's not even weird anymore. So this is but where... The internet needs to make it weird. Well, it started out... I We probably never would have heard about this besides maybe someone retweeted it. Because I think we all follow random people that might surprise you. And like certain like um, journalists and athletes and people like that. Not to make it where it may come up. Or just randoms, sure. right? So Candace Owens was the oh one that really God. started this. Um, they're trying to take away masculinity, does this whole thing that they're trying to feminize everything. They're, who's they? What are they trying to take uh, away? Let, let me, it's him. He put the dress on. He said, let's take a picture of me in this fucking dress. Who cares? Let me find the original Candace Owens tweet because I saw it and I was like, like she, she is... Just someone that needs to be in the middle of anything that is in her wheelhouse. <laughs> I love Dave Chappelle's take on her. <laughs> oh, what are his exact words were great. I don't know the exact words, but it boils down to like he just called her a cunt. Yeah, he's like, that cunt. All right, so this is what she said. There is no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It's an outright attack. Bring back manly men. All right, do you want to see what her husband looks like? (laughs) Uh, And then there was this whole rumor going around that I I really hope is true that she called her husband fucking her brother. I don't know how true this is. But when you see her husband, you'd be like, you want to talk about manly men? This dude looks like a fucking pansy. Like, look at this guy. Harry Styles would kick his ass. (laughs) And so, okay, I'm not disagreeing that there is definitely... um, uh, uh, an aversion to masculinity, right? right? And I do agree that the whole phrase toxic masculinity is fucking stupid. But to think that because Harry Styles, what band was he in? One Direction? And now he's an actor. I guess. He was in Dunkirk. Um, he's been doing movies. Yeah, and I think he does his own like solo pop music. Great. I don't, and then uh, I don't think this is some kind of like intentional thing to take away masculinity. I know people like saying like, well, the media is trying to make everyone gay. The frogs making the waters get the the frogs are making the water gay. Um, but then I see Ben Ben Shapiro coming out. Oh no, talking about how important masculinity is. You of all people, motherfucker, that didn't know that your wife could get wet. But listen, I like a lot of Ben Shapiro, no. not as much as like not in the last couple of years because he's just leaned not so all, far not into at all it. anymore for me. No, it, anymore, no. Not anymore. I used to be like, oh, well, you know, this guy gets it. He's pretty smart. No, but now he's he just, smart. he's all about the clicks. He turned yeah. into everything that he hated in journalism. So fucking stupid. He's pro- I could probably tell you exactly what he said. You know, they've got Harry Styles on here, and he's wearing a dress. Does he have a wet-ass P? A wet-ass <laughs> P word? A wet-ass P word? Um, but There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you like Jack Black's video of him dancing? To Did you see that? No. There's a, Jack Black posted a video of him doing WAP. All right. I got to check it out. Um, but Ben Shapiro... Okay, so this is Ben Shapiro's reaction, which him calling... To, okay. He replied to Candace Owens, this is perfectly obvious. Anyone who pretends it is not a referendum on masculinity for men to don fluffy dresses is treating you like a full-on idiot. And then he went on a whole tirade. Ben Shapiro 
is listen, he's good at what he does. You can't deny that. He's leaned into the clicks. He plays to his demographic and his market. Oh, these are the follow-ups. Masculinity and femininity exist. Outward indicators of masculinity and femininity exist in nearly every human culture. Not arguing that. Boys are taught to be more masculine in virtually every human culture because the role of men is not always the same as role of women. Thanks, dude. The left knows this, of course. The point of Styles doing this photo shoot is to feminize masculinity. Otherwise, why would it be headline-worthy for Styles to don a dress? The left knows this. They openly say that gender is both important and socially constructed, which is why they tell you that a man can be a woman despite no bi- biological underpinning. Dude, you know... Dude, shut up. Just, so, listen. I'm not trying to say anything. You know, I, I hope that nobody that's listening takes this the wrong way. You know, um, I'm I'm okay with all different types of lifestyles. I'm sure. great with do all you. different kinds of Do you, dude. If you're not hurting anyone, do you? When I think of manly men, I do not think of Harry Styles. No, and the dress so, doesn't change that at all. Tell me that... The dress might make it more manly. De fucking de- just take away masculinity. Yo, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger and Junior talking about how his nipples were sensitive. He got pregnant. Yeah, like that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <coughs> to, to think that Harry Styles was the beacon of masculinity, he appeals to teenage girls yeah. and gay men. Like that's his market. He and that's to, fine. Yeah, dude, that's, that's cool. I did. I uh, when I saw the thing in the dress, I went, oh. Like, okay. I Dude, it was a non-issue for me. I didn't even, like, I happened to... Harry Styles is not on my radar in any fucking sense. You know, I saw a retweet, and all I saw was the picture. I saw, I knew, I know who he is, so I knew who it was when I saw the picture, and I was just like, oh, yeah, it's Harry Styles in a dress, and then throughout the rest of the day, I saw the rest of the tweets of the outrage and the praise, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's just, just... It's very... It, it, they need they need the right needs these fucking hot button issues as much as the left does. Yeah. Except I believe that people like Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens, they, I think most of the left is doing it because whether it, right, wrong, or indifferent, they in their heart morally think it's right. Yeah. And I think they come from a very wrong way most of the time. But they do it for the reaction. They're like the shock jocks of politics, which right. is a very dangerous territory to get into. And they think that the left is doing it. And a lot of times the left is absolutely doing it for a moral high ground the social justice warrior angle of it. But I think the majority of these people think they're doing the right humane thing. It's not to say that they are. That's fine. But if you are so upset by Harry Styles in a dress, my friend, you are spending too much time thinking about Harry Styles in a dress. And if that's the case, you need to question your own masculinity. Right. So let's move on from that and talk about something more important. Um, okay. Um, basketball. Josh, yes, yes, we talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if there's been any updates since this happened. Um, but check. yeah, check Woj out. Yeah, Woj is where you go for this kind of stuff, right? So, um, you know, the Nets are, I'm pumped as a Nets fan for the season. I want to see Kevin Durant. I want to see him and Kyrie. I like the core of the team. I like Levert. I like Joe Harris a lot. I like Spencer Dimwitty a lot as a secondary uh, point guard. But now all of a sudden, two days ago, you know, like a week ago is when the Russell Westbrook getting traded from the Houston Rockets trade. About a week ago is when that started building up, Josh, would yeah. you say? Mm-hmm. So you're thinking Russell Westbrook's getting traded. And then all of a sudden, uh, two nights ago, you're hearing that now all of a sudden James Harden is asking for a trade. And then last night it starts coming out, oh, he wants to go to the fucking Nets. And I'm like, all right, I need to play this in a certain way here. Okay. There's no denying that our James Harden is great at what he does. Right. But my issue as a Nets fan is will this work. So here's my issue as a Nets fan. I'm not, I'm not, and I, I tweeted this at uh, Dan Boyle before. 
I'm not willing to say that I believe that James Harden is in any way, shape, or form washed. Like, no, not even like, remotely. Like KG and Paul Pierce were no. at the time of that trade. But I've fucking seen this television program before. <laughs> I don't want to see it again. You have Kyrie Irving. He's 28. You have Kevin Durant. so crazy Durant. he's that young. It feels like he's been around forever. You have Kevin Durant. He's 31. <laughs> sure, he's coming off of a big injury. But you've got some, some really... Stars in the making on this yeah, roster. Hell yeah, yeah. Spencer, uh, Spencer Dwinwitty, you know, all these guys. Lavert has a chance to be a legitimate star. Absolutely, dude. You do not need Joe to Joe Harris trade. is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. You do not need to trade one of these guys. and, 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 and Let alone and, all of them. Let alone all of them in a package of picks for an aging... I can't even call him a superstar. You know, he's great at what he does, but... To me, a superstar is a guy that can get his does it team... All. He does it all. He does and he it makes all. the guys around him better. So... LeBron James is a superstar because LeBron James can get to the finals without any pieces. Yeah, for him. sure. For he's, sure. He's not going to win without any pieces. Behind no, of course him, not. But he can get to the finals without pieces. I mean, he's done him. it how many times now? You, you know, know, he did it. He did it uh, in, Cle- uh, in his first stint in Cleveland. He did it once. Yeah. Um, in his second stint in Cleveland, you know, he had Kyrie there with him. But Kevin Love. And, and, Kevin but, Love. And, I, and But then he also had fucking, what's his name? The, uh, the fucking douchebag who was on the Knicks for a few years. Oh, my God. What's his fucking name? I can't stand him. Oh, my God. He fucking uh, passed the ball when the shot clock was on zero. Oh, J.R. Smith. Yeah, J.R. Smith. Fucking idiot. And he's with him on the Lakers. Yeah, on the Lakers. He just won another ring with him. Um, You know, so, like, I don't consider Harden to be a superstar. Okay. What you would... To me, the superstars are are pretty easy to point out. You got LeBron. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. You've got... um, uh, Giannis. You got Giannis. You got Steph. Um... And you got Clay. KD. I would put Clay Thompson close to that level as well. There, there's there's other guys. I think um, what's his name down in Miami proved it this year as well. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler yeah. proved it. Um, so this is what I'm going to. I get what you're saying. Maybe superstar is not the right word because I think it's impossible to not say James Harden isn't a top ten player in the league when it comes to what he does. Mm-hmm. He he's never been on a bad team. Right. His teams have made the playoffs. Have they gone far in the playoffs? No. That's a different kind of argument. He's a very similar kind of player to Carmelo. Now, so here I've come, I've warmed up to the idea of him a little bit more because I'm thinking about it like this. So he was just offered, he just turned down the largest contract offer in NBA history, $50 million a year, right? Turns that down. If it's not about the money, it's got to be about winning, right? He, Kevin Durant's won. Kyrie Irving's one. They both have rings. Kevin Durant has two. Kyrie has one. So I would think that if he was going to force his way here, and it's not about the money, somewhat has to be that I'm willing to take a step back and understand my role. He has great handle on the ball. Yeah. He's a great dribbler. We see <clears throat> that's the thing that frustrates me in this game is gets the ball, shot clock, dribble, 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 dribble. Oh, dribble, 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 dribble. Oh, shot clock's down to two. Shoot. Like yeah. that's the thing that annoys me. And you look at both Durant, who's a guy that needs the ball in his hands, but he can be a good facilitator. Kyrie is a guy that wants the ball in his hands, but he can be a great facilitator. So in these situations, will he be willing to pass it off in those times? Will he buy into what Steve Nash and the guy he's worked with and Mike D'Antoni and pass it off? Yeah. Now, if you put him on the nets, even if you get rid of all those pieces, you can't deny that they're probably the best team in the East. I don't know who in the East you're going to say is definitively better. Now, as far as talent goes, that's not to say that the Heat are better coached, without a doubt. We don't know anything about Steve Nash. The Celtics have a good team. The 76ers have a good team. Um, But the thing that's cool about this is that players want to come to the Nets. When has that ever happened? Never. It's never happened. And more players don't want to go to the Knicks, which I love. Fuck them. But... 
he I don't Kyrie is the guy that worries me more than Harden because Kyrie's a bit of a mental case. Yeah. And he has to be the one that says, let's do this. And they have to have that agreement like Wade, Bosch, and LeBron had where they said, we will be willing to peel back certain parts of our game for the greater good of the team. Wade was fine with not getting the ball as much as he did. Right. Bosch was fine with playing more underneath and cleaning up. And they let LeBron do LeBron. Yeah. So in this situation, uh, it, the thing that, that really helps, though, if you get a guy like James Harden is Kyrie's never playing a full season. Never does, right? No. He always gets hurt. Durant, you have to worry about. James Harden don't miss time. That's he true. plays. <clears throat> so there's things you have to worry about here when you're trading guys like Karis LeVert, who has a chance to be a star, Spencer Dimwitty, who is a really good backup point guard. I, I'm i still not in favor of it. I, I think the best move for the team to have like a cohesive unit and be well-rounded is you get Serge Ibaka because that would shore up the defense entirely. Right. But... I I'm not. This is not a move I would make. But if they make it, I'm all in. Let's go. Let's. You know, it'll be fun to play day, an NBA I, 2K, dude. What am, what am, <laughs> at the end of the day, what am I going to do? I'm not going to watch. You, you know, know this, like, is, this is a weird time for me as a sports fan because. Mm-hmm. Dolphins are looking really good, right? Yeah. The Mets have this new like optimism and that they're going to get guys and that things are going to change and the Nets are going to be pretty good. Yeah. I don't know how to handle. It. I might just kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a time that I can remember where all three teams were um, hopeful, yeah. competitive, and good. Yeah. Hey, listen. I need the Nets right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need it to happen because listen, something, uh, dude. Fucking Hal Steinbrenner. I don't know what the fuck you're doing, man? Are you afraid at all? Let me ask you, as a Yankees fan, are you at all worried about like the the idea of Cohen being the guy that? Because what I, Taylor and I've talked about this, but the Yankees and the Dodgers are the two teams that every agent calls first yeah. with their players and last. Mm-hmm. And now that's going to be the Mets. Yeah. For, and that's because that, that, it's not even close financially. Right. So I, you can't have worry about legacy. Where I'm, I would never argue that. You know me well enough to know I'm not going to say anything. But is there a worry that when that guy comes up, that let's say the Mets and Yankees are both coming off down years, they both need that ace pitcher that the, the Mets will be able to outbid you? No. You don't? No, no, there's no worry whatsoever. Because this is my <laughs> thought. Um, first year, second, second year, maybe, yeah. But there's going to come a point in time when you're Hal Steinbrenner and the team is going to start making less money than it was before. Sure. And the Yankees is your money. At what point do you say, holy shit, the crosstown rivals are spending more money than me. They're winning more games than me. I gotta start. I gotta start spending some money if I want to make money. I gotta you, start spending. But don't money. you think there is a level of that? Um, you know, even when the the Mets and Yankees have both been good, which hasn't been many times in our lifetime, Yankee Stadium always has more people in it, right? Yeah. Even when both teams are bad, the Yankees always have more people in it. The Yankees tend to have that thing like the Knicks do, where the Garden, no matter how bad the Knicks are, everyone's there and they're still making money. Right. So the only way it's really affected is if people stop coming to games, and maybe the bigger thing is if people stop watching the games, yeah. if the yes ratings go down. Mm-hmm. But I'm not talking about that. the idea. I'm talking about the odds of the Yankees. The Yankees aren't used to getting outbid. No. It's never really happened. No. Let alone by the crosstown rival. Right. Now that this is the first time that in any sport in or just baseball really where there's no real salary cap that the Yankees are going to be out, they're going to get outbid potentially, which it will be inter- it's going to make fascinating talk radio. Yeah, you know, I, that first I, one I still that- I still don't find myself being 
Well, you're not a douche Yankee fan. It. You're not you one know, of these Yankee fans that just is like, we're going to get this guy. We're going to get this guy. Well, trade uh, uh, I, Didi for uh, Mike Trout. Yeah, like, yeah, you're not one of them. <laughs> when I look at uh, the money that they dropped on Cole last year, like it's clear that they're still willing to spend the money Absolutely. on top-tier talent. And at the end of the day, you know, how... You know, is 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 Cohen gonna really bid that much more? Like, it, if you look at that contract, that what is it, nine years? Yeah, three hundred ten million. million. You know, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna go nine years, three hundred twenty-five million? Well, that's what I'm saying, dude. It could be three hundred fifteen million, and yeah. it depends on the player. Obviously, if the guy's saying he's just about money, yeah, then of course Cohen's gonna be able to outbid. If but, he just know, if the guy just says, if you give me an extra five million, and the Yankees say we can't go any higher than this, yeah, they're gonna lose that guy. You know, so think about it this way: um, if you look at Let's say that that's the situation. Let's say that last year is today. Let's say sure. Garrett Cole has a decision to make. He's got the Yankees and he's got the Mets on the table. Sure. He's got the Yankees at nine years, 310. He's got the Mets nine years, 315. This guy wants to be a Yankee. Is he going to let $5 million make well, uh, him again, that's, a that, Well, that's what I mean. It's going to depend on the player, obviously. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and you and I both know. You know, following baseball as long as we have, seeing some of these outrageous contracts that have been given out over the years. Sure. Some of these guys that are chasing money, you don't want them on your team. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It depends on who it is. Yeah. There's some guys that chase money. I mean, ultimately, that's what CC Sabathia did because yeah. the whole thing was he didn't want to go to New York, but they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. So that's when it's going to get interesting. When it comes down to that player, yeah. whoever he may be, the next big one might be uh, Ronald Acuna down in Atlanta, who looks like the next budding superstar that hits free agency. Mm-hmm. Now, the Braves tend to not let their own guys leave. And that's another thing you got to think about, too. So many teams are not really letting these guys No, they get lock away. them up very, very and, young. And a lot of the guys that teams get away from either they get away too too late or they get away too early and they're a douchebag Bryce Harper. Well yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And you're going to bring a championship to, to fucking Washington. <laughs> they, they did. He, he certainly did. Um it's it just it's it's an interesting thing to think the idea that the Mets and Yankees that the Mets could be involved in a bidding war with the Yankees. Yeah. And I would I can't wait for the first time it happens cuz it's going to be fascinating to listen to. You know, the one thing I take away from all the Cohen stuff and I think that you'll agree with me is uh his talk about dedication to building a farm. That's yeah. what you want. That's what you well, want. I, That's his, how his, that's how the successful teams today get success. And it's not even just th- those guys turn into superstars that you can turn them into something, trading for someone. Because often yeah. the best moves a team makes to win is the trade. Yeah. When they get the guy. In 2015 when the Mets got Cespedes and he helped carry them to the World Series yeah. because they were able to put together a trade package. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going to be interesting. But there was just everything he said about that. I loved him saying, this isn't about making money. I don't expect to make money off this. The fact that he's a fan goes such a long way. Yeah. And you already hear players for agents fawning over him that he's in how many owners in sports are on on twitter interacting with fans none let alone in new york yeah. where i mean and it's gonna be interesting to see how he responds because there will be bad times mm-hmm. you don't ever go win the world series every fucking year yeah so how he responds then but the fact that he's a fan tells me he's gonna feel the pain like we do it's not just this isn't just like a fucking venture for him like most sports owners where they're like i got a couple billion lying around let's go yeah. he's like i do have a couple billion this is my fucking team for my whole life it was just refreshing to hear an owner talk like that. Yeah. That wasn't just like the typical, we're going to change things, we're going to change things. And then he ends it the best way he could was saying, let's go Mets. That it, there's, there's a real sense of optimism. And it, 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the players mm-hmm. if they get Lindor, if they get... I, I'm fully convinced you're getting Trevor Bauer. Yes. He posted on his own YouTube page a video talking about how much he loved Steve Cohen's press conference. Yeah. And his agent posted a picture of him in a Mets hat pitching like a Photoshop. Like, all right, like, we could tell where he wants to go. Will yeah. that happen? Because I think Sandy is such a smart baseball guy. He's not going to make moves just to make them. Right. So that'll be interesting. But it's exciting to just see that there will actually be, in the offseason, the, the crosstown rivalry happening. Happening not not in the season. It's never right. happened in in the off season before. Really, there hasn't been a time. The one player that the Mets I can think there's two players I can think of in recent memory that the Mets got that were Yankee targets, and that was Carlos Beltran and Johan Santana. Yeah, those were the two because the Yankees were heavily involved in trying to trade for Johan, and the Twins were like, we're not going to trade him to a team we can't beat in the postseason, and they still couldn't beat him in the, the Yankees <laughs> in the postseason. Um, let's see. The next thing I have before we do our football picks is this whole Selena Vegas situation, right? So she got Selena Vega in WWE. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, I, did you think I said Savio Vega? <laughs> no, for some reason I was <laughs> I was thinking uh, Selena fucking Gomez. <laughs> okay, Savio Vega actually. <laughs> Savio, Savio Vega. Vega is going to be on Survivor Series on Sunday. They're doing an Undertaker oh, okay, thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's not like he's wrestling. <laughs> I was like Savio Vega. He, I feel like he wasn't even that important when he was important. No. Um. So Selena Vega got released by WWE on Friday. I think it was. Um. So she tweets out. I support unionization. She was already released at that point. I think she tweeted out like a, she said like 20 minutes after she got released, something like that. So the big crutch here that's been the problem is this whole thing's been happening with WWE and uh, their athletes' uh, Twitch streams, right? It's been Twitch has been the problem. Yeah, that they can't have it. I mean, that's the big one. It's all like third uh, third party stuff, like where they're using New their Day wrestling had, names. Yeah, like New Day had to come off a cameo. Yeah, and stuff like that. So WWE's argument, and it's a it's the correct business legal argument, is that they're making. Money off the name we own. They're right. They're not wrong there. Now, well, this is what's fucked up is that because of the pandemic, most of these guys they perform two hundred nights a year, right? Two hundred nights with house shows. Yeah. They get paid for each one of those nights. However, they don't pay for their own car. They have to pay for their own car. They have to pay for their hotel, whatever. Yeah. Now they're down to performing fifty nights a year, not including pay per views, right? With Raw and SmackDown, something like that. So a lot of them were making that that income that they lost on their Twitch, their Cameo, things like that. And Selena Vega, very popular on Twitch. Paige, very popular on Twitch. Paige, who can't wrestle, very popular on Twitch. And they're trying to take money out of their pockets. That one pisses me off to no end. Because her tits are out on all of them? No, that's <laughs> that's secondary. That's secondary. <laughs> this girl fucking broke her neck for this. Twice! Place. Twice. Twice for your company. And they're, fuck you, pay me. Yeah, exactly. And I respected that she she's still doing it. Yeah. So they told all the wrestlers they can't do this. They all had to pull it down. And Selena Vega goes and starts at OnlyFans. And not the kind of OnlyFans I'd like to see, but she's doing her cosplay stuff, yeah. which is wildly popular. Her She was making crazy bank off these things, apparently. And they told her she had to take it down. She said no. They dumped her. Yeah. Now, it sucks that you haven't heard more WWE wrestlers coming out and speaking in support. And it's out of fear. They yeah. live in fear of Vince McMahon, and understandably so. They want to don't want to lose their jobs. There's only so many guys that aren't worried about that, like Randy Orton and things like that, that are indispensable to the company. Right. Those are wrestlers that are probably um, more valuable to a company like AEW because they give them that Hulk Hogan kind of recognition going over. Yeah. So... Uh, what's interesting that's happening now is the president of the Screen Actors Guild, SAG, is speaking out in support of wrestlers unionizing. You know, I think that's really interesting because 
are they athletes or are they entertainers? Right. I mean, they're they're both really. They're on a television show, a scripted television show. Should they be in a, a thing like the Screen Actors Guild? I would say probably. And that's Vince McMahon's biggest fear. And I told you this in a text is that he's picking a fight with this incoming administration because Andrew Yang will likely be very very involved with the labor. Correct. Yeah. And he's been. I I've really liked what he's had to say about the UFC's labor practices and WWE's. And it's especially cool because he is a fan of both. MMA and wrestling. Vince might be picking a fight that he can't win at this point in his career because you have co- if you, this is what's crazy. They're independent contractors, wrestlers, right? Yeah. There's been a couple of wrestlers. I forgot who it was. An interview I saw that so many accountants wouldn't do his taxes because he's listed as an independent contractor, but he's not compensated as such. Mm-hmm. So his taxes are a fucking mess. I could you imagine a world where they're unionized and WWE doesn't have them all under one banner? It could make for some interesting shit. Yeah. Where they're their own. This is kind of the problem though, which kind of scares me with the UFC. I don't want to become like boxing, where there's you know the WBC, the WBA, the WBI, the IBF, all these different champions, and you don't really know who the real champ is unless they get all the belts. Yeah. Yes, it makes for super fights. You could have gotten that Brock Lesnar Fedor fight, that Randy Couture Fedor fight. But you could also have them saying, well, I can't come to a deal with this champion, so I'm going to fight Joe Schmo with a record of four and seven. Right. I don't know. But um, I'm in full support of Selena Vega. I think she's tremendously talented. Um, I feel bad for Aleister Black because you know he's going to get the dog shit now. You kind of see it happening in the Lana because of Rusev. Um, I think it's, uh, I haven't watched Raw in months. That she's gotten, but I keep up with it on Twitter and all the accounts. She's gotten put through a table by Nia Jax eight Raws in a row. <laughs> But she is getting a title match soon, so I guess that she's got that, and she's getting a WWE special. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm in full support of Selena Vega, though. Um, just really quick on the weight loss stuff. We're going to do it next week with Taylor not here, so Josh is going to send me his weight loss, and I will track properly. Now let's get into our NFL picks for Week 11. It's already Week 11. Uh, dude, it's crazy. This year is flying by with all this fucking nonsense. I know. It's it's very, very odd how all of it's going. But um, So last week, uh, Josh, had the best week at 9-5. and five. Um, Taylor and I both won 8-6. and six. So I'm in first place at 101 Four and one, and Taylor and Josh are tied at 145 and one. Really coming down to the stretch here. Someone's very close to watching the Fifty Shades series, myself included. Yeah, yo, uh, <laughs> I was actually thinking about this. Um, if Taylor loses, uh huh, we should make him watch a Fifty Shades movie while getting tattooed. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> I actually really like that. Um, so, couple things. Um, your team has played much better under Raheem Morris. Yeah, they have. Um, I think he's got a good shot at keeping the job, and I would not be against that if I were you. No, not really. Um, I think that if if that was the case, that you need to let him pick the GM out. Yeah. Because you don't want to take take a GM and say you have to stick this guy, and also let him pick the entire coaching staff, which you usually will do with the head coach anyway. Yeah. Get rid of Dirk Cutter. Yeah, please get, get rid, rid of Dick of Cutter. Cutter. Um, you have to. Obviously, I'm thrilled with the Dolphins. How could I not be? I don't think anyone expected the, the rebuild to happen. I mean, when you think about it in your memory. You definitely didn't expect it. No, I tell, <laughs> oh, get, uh, no, I, I didn't expect it from Brian Flores in the first place. <laughs> but, you know, 
I, I came around on him last season because I didn't think they were going to go five and eleven. Yeah. I especially with how they started zero and seven and go five and four down the stretch. No one saw that coming. How can you think of a team in recent memory that was as bad as the Dolphins looked last year that has turned it around as quickly as they have down there? Yeah. And to actually look like a competitive, really, really good team. Like in the AFC, what teams right now besides the Steelers and Chiefs you can say are definitively better than them? Not the Ravens right now. No. Not the Titans right now. Um, you know, in the AFC, you, the Browns are probably near where they are, I would say, because they're they're very inconsistent. But it's been really cool to see. Um, you know, Brian Flores seems like he's the one Belichick guy. And I will give Joe Judge some props in New York because I see some similar things. But he's going in there acting like a shit don't stink like you've seen with Matt, Eric Mangini and Matt Patricia and Charlie Weiss. Um, he's doing his own fucking thing. You know what I mean? And you're seeing growth from Tua quickly. And a lot of no-name players. Like, how many players besides Devontae Parker can you name on the Dolphins, Josh? None. Yeah, and it's, you know, they they got Byron Jones in the offseason. Great corner. Xavier Howard. And outside of that, a bunch of no-names. So, it's been really cool to see. And Taylor had high hope. I did pick the Dolphins to win a wild card this year. Coming in. Because originally when we did our picks, we forgot about the the seventh wild card, the seventh playoff team. So it's interesting. But Taylor's poor Broncos are dog shit, um, and your team is you know not good. But I wouldn't think I don't think you're as bad as the Broncos. Yeah, Jake Locke is uh, Jake Locke. Jake Locke, Drew Locke. Drew Locke is uh, not good. Not good. Not you good. Know, he's he's making decisions that don't make any sense. You know, he's playing. Just, he's trying to make throws like he's Pat Mahomes. You know, uh, listen. People get hyped up about stuff in the NFL for stupid fucking reasons, and Broncos fans got hyped up about this kid because he was rapping on the sideline yeah. last year. Like, fuck you. That doesn't make him good. That doesn't make him even fucking cool. Cool. <laughs> like, he's just a guy <coughs> sitting there singing rapping. along to a rap song. Who fucking cares? Who yeah, fucking cares? And, People do it in the car on the way to work all the time. It doesn't mean he's a good fucking football player. I'm sorry. Well, this is the problem with um, teams in general. When your team hasn't had their own guy... You have had your guy for a while, and yeah. before that, you had Vic. So you had a guy for a long period of time, for the most part, a couple down years there. The Dolphins fans have gravitated towards Chad Henney, myself. I'm, I'm, this is me included. Chad Henney, Ryan Tannehill, who I think I, at this point I was not wrong in my assessment of Ryan Tannehill. They just didn't have anything around him. Right. He's proven that he's a good quarterback. Um, they did it with Pat White, Tyler Thigpen, Matt Moore, Chad Pennington, who was very good for us. He just couldn't stay healthy. Cleo Lemon. Cleo Le- they didn't do it as much with Cleo <laughs> Lemon. Um, but, you know, Trent Green, when they signed him in the 1-15 season. Um, you, when you haven't had that guy, and the Dolphins haven't had him since Marino. Yeah. And yes, the Broncos had Peyton Manning. Um, they haven't had their own guy yeah. in a long time. They wanted it to be Cutler. He was ass. Tebow, he had a playoff win. They traded him that yeah. offseason. So, you know, Tr- Taylor did this with uh, Brock to the Future, yeah. Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon. Mm-hmm. And you saw flashes from some of those guys besides Paxton Lynch. Brock went to New England and won in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, played pretty well with a very good defense. Trevor Simeon played pretty well for them at times. Um, and you saw Locke went 7-3 and three down the stretch last year. So there were some things, and now he's completely regressed, and you don't know if it's a coaching staff or it's him, but I've seen enough where I'm like, I don't know if the coaching is ruining him. Because yeah. we've seen that enough. Ryan Tannehill, great example. Right. Um, but Tannehill played much better in Miami than Drew has in a very short frame. But uh, let's get into the picks. Um, the Thursday night game, the Arizona Cardinals with uh, the, the ending of the year right now, yeah. uh, that was awesome. Awesome. I was thrilled because it put the Dolphins a half game out of first in the AFC East. Uh, just thrilling. DeAndre, first off, Kyler's awesome. Yeah, I fucking so love good. Kyler Murray. He is so much fun to watch. 
uh, to make that to get away from the pressure, then just heave it up there. Fucking great arm. And DeAndre Hopkins and triple coverage coming and pull it down. Holy shit. What a game. What a fucking that, ending. That might be play of the year at this point. I, I don't see how anything else is. Yeah. Um, when you think about the significance of it and it where it was. I mean, the year the Dolphins had that crazy, the one I have hanging up when they did that crazy trick play to the Patriots at the end was play of the year. And it meant nothing for the Dolphins. Even if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs, it's play of the year. Yeah. It, how many times? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has like three of those in his career. Yeah, right. right. It's crazy. But uh, the Cardinals are playing the Seahawks who uh, Russell Wilson, we talked about it the last couple weeks. I, two weeks ago when it first started to look bad. Yeah. He's losing MVP. Last week, I'm like he's losing, he lo- might have lost it, yeah. and he was horrible this past week against the Rams. And the Rams always give them issues. Yeah. I thought maybe they'd overcome it, but it, their defense is on pace to be the worst defense in NFL history. Yeah. With Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, and the Cardinals, their defense is not great, but they have a very, very good offense where Larry Fitzgerald is an afterthought in the offense, which is crazy. Um, this is a really good game. I'm excited. This is the best Thursday night game in a while. Yeah. Uh, the Seahawks are three-point three favorites at home. Since I'm in the lead, Josh, you go first. Um, yeah, I'm going to be taking the Seahawks here because, as always, I like to follow up on Pete Carroll and what he's doing and you know his press conferences, what he's saying. Okay, And he made some really solid points this week. He, Interesting. He told reporters that, listen, the last two weeks we're on the road. There's a lot of Soros-funded defenses out there. Really? The George Soros-funded defenses? Yeah. Wow. You know, they're pumping money into these defenses that they want to stop the Seahawks. Oh. Uh, because they know that the Seahawks, uh, they, they play football for the truth. Okay, so yeah. it's it's Sor- he's he's a fighter against Soros. Yeah, he's a fighter against Soros. He's the a deep fighter, state. He's a fighter against the deep state. Anything that they want you to believe, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks want you to know the truth about. Okay. Uh, so you know there is no there is no Soros funding coming into um, what is the name of their field? CenturyLink uh, field. CenturyLink. I think. Yeah, the link. Um, uh, there's no George Soros funding coming in this week. Um, the defenses uh, are, are not going to be able to contain Russell Wilson. So you think Russell Wilson's due? And I think he's going to overcome Soros. He's going to overcome Soros. He's going to overcome all that uh, all that adversity. Uh, and the Seahawks are going to win this game. Okay, can I ask you the real reason you're picking them is because you don't like the traveling team on a Thursday night game. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I have I ever picked against the Seahawks? I don't think you have this year. Um, I don't think I'm, I did last year either. Probably not. And usually it's because you're, he's a New York Yankees second baseman. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one. I just really don't like what I'm seeing in Seattle. When you think about how well they started um, and where they are now, Russ was amazing the first few weeks of this. Like unbelievable, the best pay, he t- matched Peyton Manning start on uh, the 2015 season. Yeah, and now you're seeing a major yeah, regression. At one, at one point, he was on pace to throw like 60 touchdowns. Yeah, it, it was crazy, and it was like every week you knew he was good for three touchdowns. Yeah, um, and now you're seeing that come back because they don't have a great running game since Chris Carson's gotten hurt. Their offensive line isn't great. They're kind to figure out how to play DK Metcalf. They get him off his routes. He had his worst game of the season last week against a be- against Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league. Patrick Peterson is not the Patrick Peterson of a few years ago, but the Cardinals, I think, on offense will be able to do enough to this terrible Seahawks defense to force Russell Wilson into making some mistakes. If they get out to like a 10 to 12 point lead, like you saw with the Rams due to them, and they're going to force Russell to start throwing the ball down the field under pressure, under duress, where he has to make the throws. That's where I think he comes out on top. So I'm going to take the Cardinals in the upset. Taylor is also taking the Cardinals. 
Next game, the Tennessee Titans at the Baltimore Ravens. The Titans coming off a really, really bad loss on Thursday night and uh, against the, the Colts, a very good defense. Taking on the Baltimore Ravens, coming off an even worse loss to the New England Patriots. Something weird is going on with both these teams. The Titans, uh, special teams, they had a block punt, right? And their punter before that had a 12-yard punt. Uh, I could uh, under NFL pressure. You and I could punt it further than twelve yards. Yeah, probably. And the Ravens. What's happening? That's weird with them. Is you know, it's easy to rag on Lamar, and he has not played well, but you're seeing that their offense is making no adjustments to what they're doing to Lamar. And I can't blame the quarterback in that situation. He was literally doing interviews this past week saying that the opposing defenses are calling out the offensive play they're going to run, and they're not giving him a better play to sub out of. Mm. Change the fucking offense. It doesn't help that his skill position players on the outside, the wide receivers are horrific. Hollywood Brown has one route, and that's a go route. He's got nothing else. Great tight ends in Mark Andrews, um, but uh, you just lost uh, one of your tight ends to a fucking knee injury. You lost your left tackle the knee injury very good running backs to mark ingram and jk dobbins but um in the titans again you know they got they got fucking beat up by the colts they they had one big play that was a drop by um aj brown who's a great wide receiver um and after that the momentum was gone their special teams are bad and usually that means you don't have depth their defense isn't very good in tennessee this is a very interesting matchup because they're similar teams right now started out great now they're on the skid on the skid the titans look like one of the best teams in the league a few weeks ago yeah um T- uh, Taylor, Josh, who are you taking? I'm going to take the Titans. You're going to take the Titans. I just, I, I, you know, I know that they've been, you know, kind of on a skid a little bit here, uh, but they're due. And I fucking love Derrick Henry. You know, yeah, that he's guy amazing. Is out fucking rages, dude. Um, so I think he's going to take this game over. Uh, I, I yeah, like, I mean, you saw the Patriots run the ball down the Ravens' throat. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I think you're going to see a big game. Probably going to see two touchdowns. Definitely going to see over 125 yards. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going Titans all the way. All right, I'm going to take the Ravens because um, just like you think what the Titans are due, I think the Ravens are due. I think they're due for that breakout game where they kind of everything comes back down. I still think this will be a close game because of how they match up. They're physical on the lines. I think the Ravens' defense is better. And what I saw last week with uh, the Colts' defense against the Titans is what I think the Ravens will end up doing to them. And, you know, the Patriots kind of picked apart that very good defense and not a very good Patriots offense. But the element of when Cam was actually moving the ball and running around, you don't have to worry. Tannehill does run, but you don't have to worry about it the same way. He's easier to bring down. Yeah. He's not going to look for contact as much. It's a different kind of running quarterback. Um, the Ravens are six-and-a-half-point favorites, which I think is crazy. I think the Titans will cover that. But uh, I'm going to take the Ravens in this one, and uh, I think Lamar is going to have a good uh, bounce-back game. And uh, Taylor is also taking the Ravens. Um, uh, next game, the Eagles coming off the loss to the Giants. Um, the, before that, they'd beaten the Giants, I think, eight straight times, or seven straight times, rather. And uh, the Browns uh, coming off a win against the Texans, where uh, Nick Chubb pissed off the entire fantasy embedding world by going out of bounds late. I loved it so much. He, honestly, if he scored the touchdown, it wouldn't have made a difference because they would have gone up 12 with two minutes, uh, 30 seconds left. Yeah. It is, a, it is a smart move because you don't take a chance on anything happening. Yeah. Um, but just to see how mad people got about that, uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Fuck your fantasy team up the ass. The Browns are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, their defense, I think, is great. They may have the best offensive line in the league. I mean, when you've got Nick Chubb back and you're rushing for over 200 yards a game, uh, it's really hard to defend. And Baker really hasn't played that bad. I think he's uh, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions. 
sustainable numbers. And that's without a dynamic playmaker after losing Odell Beckham. Yeah. But the defense and the running game are what gonna, is going to make this team go. The Eagles have a very talented team when they're not injured, but they haven't been able to defend the run. They couldn't defend it against the Giants on Sunday. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to here. Uh, I'll, I'll go first in this one. I think we're all going to take the Browns. Uh, Browns, I'll take them, and I'll take the points, three and a half. Yeah, same here. Uh, yeah, Taylor's also taking them. Um, all right, next game, uh, the New England Patriots coming off that win over the Ravens at the Houston Texans, who just lost to the Browns, as I mentioned. Patriots, two and a half point favorites on the road. Um, Josh? Uh, I'm taking Patriots here. Um, you know, the Texans are kind of hapless right now. You, you hate to oh, see it. Oh, they look terrible. They you look terrible. You hate to see it. You, you got to feel bad for uh, for Deshaun because... He's I, working I, with nothing. Yeah, you do. I've been relatively outspoken about my thoughts on Deshaun Watson. I think that he is... Uh, I think he's great. He's, he's going to be an absolute megastar If, if they get him league. a coach and some players and, you yeah. know, maybe they didn't lose all their fucking draft picks to the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, that's... Thank you. Right points. now, they're the sixth overall pick that... Actually, sorry. The Dolphins are the sixth over pick, overall pick, courtesy of the Houston Texans. Yep. Um, so you're going to take the Patriots. Uh, I'm also going to take the Patriots. I, I still don't think the Patriots are very good. Um, no, 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 I, I this is weird for me, man. You know, like we're used to we're used to that argument. Was it Belichick or was it Brady? And I still, even though Brady's playing well, I can't say. No, that. I can't either. I, I think I think Belichick was great. Um, in spite of his bad drafting and yeah. his bad free agency moves, he but Brady kind of was able to mask a lot of those things. Yeah. If you put him with the Bucks, he's going to be doing Belichick things, the same fucking thing. I guarantee you, they're not going to get stomped out by the Saints twice if Belichick's the coach. You know, um, I think that if you got if you look at New England and you look at uh, Belichick's history with people that have left, um, coaches and personnel, sure. People, uh, I I wouldn't rule out a reunion with him and Scott Pioli. Because the last time that they in did, New England, yeah, yeah, I I don't think the it's last crazy. time that they really drafted well was, was when Pioli. Pioli was there. Yeah, he clearly they they haven't dra- had a uh, Pro Bowl player drafted since 2013, which yeah. is crazy. And they've won multiple Super Bowls in that time, as you know. Yeah. And oh. uh, sorry, <laughs> um, that uh, yeah, whatever. They've lost a couple in that time too. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I don't know. The Patriots they're they're weird to watch. Cam Newton only has three touchdown passes this year. I think he has like six rushing. Great, yeah. but that's th- as we. We've seen what Cam before they, over the last few years. That does not sustain. And as great as he started, he's fallen off. And I just think they caught a bad Ravens team. I think the Texans are a bad, very bad team, especially defensively, horribly. Give me the Patriots. Um, and a surprise, Taylor has taken the Texans in the upset. I don't okay. think that's the craziest thing. The Patriots only two and a half point favorites. They're not scoring a lot of points. So, no, you know, no, it's... they're not. And if they do, it's just how bad the Texans' defense is. Yeah. Uh, next game, I don't think we need to spend time on this. Um, the Steelers at the Jaguars. We're all taking the Steelers. Yeah. Jaguars have played tough. Uh, will this be ten and zero? Yeah, this will be ten and zero. Have they ever gone ten and zero before? No, they just went nine and zero for the first time in franchise wow. history. Um, it, it's interesting because they had that really close that close game against the Cowboys that they pulled out. Um, I thought the Bengals they did play the Bengals tough early on, and then they just pulled away because uh, Burrow was horrible in the second half. But um, the Jaguars have played teams tough lately. They had the uh, the Packers on the ropes, and I don't know if that's an indication that the Packers are a little overrated, which I think probably is the case. Yeah. But um, uh, it's interesting to see because they, that team has some fight. They're not like the fucking Jets where they're rolling over. Right. And I think uh, again, I I think I owe, I'm owed an apology that um, Minshew Mania was not real. <laughs> that he wasn't that good. I like him. What you want an apology from me? Yeah, you were all about Minshew jerk off. Yeah, not about like him being a good football oh, player. Just, just like him. About him. I like. Oh, him. Well, I agree with that part of it. Yeah, I like the Fu Manchu. <laughs> I like the fucking. Uh, 
the headband. Yeah, I, I'm it. down with that. Okay, I because I think uh, douchebag next to me was uh, more saying he was good. Um, <laughs> all right, next game. This is an interesting bad game. Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals at the Washington Football Team. Oh, fucking uh, football teams played tough the last couple weeks. They've yeah. been fun to watch. Alex Smith had his most passing yards in a game ever last week at 390. Played really well. Almost rallied them back to beat the Lions. The Bengals, uh, as I said, Burrow was horrible in the second half against the Steelers. Um, it really what screwed football team against the Lions was a dumb penalty by Chase Young late in the game that put the Lions in the field goal range to take the win. It would have otherwise gone to overtime. Uh, Josh, who are you taking? I... It's in it's in Washington. <sighs> Give me football team. All right, you're gonna take football team. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to break down in this game. I'm gonna take the Bengals just because I think they have a little more offensive firepower. Um, the, the the Washington pass rush scares me because the Bengals offensive line is bad. They got a Burrow beat up. He was limping around on Sunday. Came out for a couple snaps, but I'm gonna take the Bengals. Uh, Taylor's also gonna take the Bengals. Uh, next game, the Detroit Lions, four and five, not that bad. I would even say they're not as bad as the Bears in their own division. Um, playing the uh, the Carolina Panthers, Panthers coming off the loss um, to the uh, the Bucks, one and a half point favorites at home. Some questions about Teddy Bridgewater's knee. Thankfully, it is not the surgically repaired knee; it's his other knee, MCL sprain. Sounds like he's going to play, but we will be without Christian McCaffrey again. Um, so his last year, last season, as great as he was, this year's just a wash, unfortunately. Interesting game. Panthers one and a half point favorites at home. Josh. I am going to take the Lions here. Uh, if Teddy plays, I don't think that he's going to be, you know, very effective. Effective. You know, he, he's. He likes to move around. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't scramble a lot, but he can. Yeah. You know, he he's a, he's a good, he's good at moving around in the pocket. Um, he's smart about when know, to run with the ball. He's good at finding himself throwing lanes, but, you know, you got to be able to use your legs to do that. If he's got a sprain. Uh, I just don't see him being able to be very mobile. Um, and without Christian McCaffrey. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the Panthers. Uh, I just think that Matt Rule's the better coach. And I think even if Teddy's a little limited, they were running pretty well with Mike Davis without Christian McCaffrey. I like the weapons in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Uh, the Lions are one of these teams where they, they almost blew it to football teams. They're, they're not a great team. I love I love Matthew Stafford. I'm a huge Stafford fan. You're seeing some great things from DeAndre Swift as a rookie running back. Great week last week against football team. But on the road, uh, this is the kind of game where Matt Patricia's teams usually fall flat. Yeah. I'm going to take the Panthers. Taylor's also taking the Panthers. You know, so uh, you know, like just a little aside. You know what's crazy about the uh, the Lions when you think about it historically? They, they suck. Had, yes, <laughs> no, but that that's what's crazy about it. So they had one of the historically great running backs, maybe the most talented time. running back of all time, in Barry Sanders. And I'm not going to say that you're going to put Stafford on that same plane as Sanders, but he's going to go down in the top ten in terms of passing yards. Yeah, touchdowns. all the passing stats. He's you know, but the thing that hurts him is that and it, it you. Listen, it's hard to judge quarterbacks on win-loss record, but you have to at some point. Yeah. He only has, I think, like nine wins against teams with winning records, which right. hurts. Yeah. I think he's great. I think that I, I said boy, if before the Dak injury, now it would be really bad on Jerry Jones if he doesn't re-sign Dak. You'll really lose a lot of fans and players in the locker room. That Stafford went up on the Cowboys. That'd be a great fit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he. I mean, there's no denying physically gifted. He's got one of the best arms in the league. He's tough as shit. I'm a big fan. But not only did they waste Barry Sanders, they went Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Oh, well, and both guys yeah, retired dude. when they were still really good. Yeah. 
crazy. You don't want to fucking deal with it anymore. Yeah, exactly. It takes a, the joy out of it. Yeah. Uh, the next game is your team, Josh. The Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Falcons off their bye week. Um, correct? Yeah, they were they were off this past week. Saints coming off the win over the Panthers. Or, uh, yeah, the Panthers. Um, or the 49ers, rather. 49ers. Um, and lost Drew Brees to... Now they're saying there's even more broken ribs than initially thought. Yeah. Um, they have to do further tests. Collapse lung. Um... And Jameis Winston time. They haven't said that officially. Smart on Sean Payton's part to keep the teams on the ropes. Um, Saints are four-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, their defense really rounded in the form after starting out the season rough. Kind of always thought they would. They have too much talent on that defense. And Alvin Kamara is playing out of his mind. The human joystick. Yep. Josh. Uh, I'm taking the Saints here because uh, I still don't believe in the Falcons. Uh, if... Um, if Calvin Ridley plays, they have a shot. Oh, fuck Calvin Ridley. He fucked my parlay. <laughs> if Calvin Ridley plays, they have a shot. Um, you know, it really kind of depends on what the Saints defense is looking like. If this thing is going to be a shootout, I give the edge to Matt Ryan. Uh, if this thing is going to be a tight, tight Like game, a 23 to 20 kind of game? Yeah, then I might... I don't know. Either way, if it comes down to throwing the ball, I give I give the edge to Ryan. Uh, because he's going to be a little bit smarter with the ball than Jameis is. Um, I, I've, I, if I were you, the, the biggest fear I'd have in this division is that if someone can unlock what we, Jameis Winston was in college. Yeah. And Arians couldn't do it, but Sean Payton is a different kind of breed. Yeah. And because he took Drew Brees from being a pretty good quarterback. And Jameis, by no accounts, was a horrific quarterback, no. wildly inconsistent, but physically gifted. If he can round that into form. The idea of how, think about how good Jameis Winston was in college. Yeah. Then you have to deal with him for another ten years in your division. Sure, um, uh, I'm still picking the Saints here. I think the yeah. Falcons can win the game. I think so too. Um, I won't be surprised if they do. Uh, but I just I, I, I don't trust them. I, I don't trust them, so I can't pick them. Because if I pick them and they lose, I'll be even more mad that they lost and I've missed a pick. Yeah, uh, I'm also going to take the Saints as is Taylor. Um, I have long liked Jameis Winston as a quarterback. Um, I was thrilled la- last season was one of the most fun seasons I had rooting for a player. For I wanted Jameis Winston to go 30, 30 and 30, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, and 5,000 passing yards, mind you. Um, just a sensational season for all the wrong reasons. But um, I still think physically he's there. And I think if anyone's going to be able to figure it out, it's Sean Payton. He's a more aggressive passer. You have to play him differently. It's going to open up all kinds of stuff underneath for Alvin Kamara as well. Uh, and if you do mix in the Taysom Hill. You can't do it fucking 12 times a game under center. That's fucking stupid. But give me the Saints. Uh, Taylor's also going to take the Saints. Next game is my team and Taylor's team's playing each other. The Miami Dolphins, winners of five in a row, coming off their win over the Chargers at the Denver Broncos, who got their fucking asses kicked by the Raiders. Um, The Dolphins were the first defense that made Justin Herbert look like a rookie, um, which was so much fun to see because there was some fear I had there. Two was looking really nice, not doing anything spectacular because he doesn't have to, but you're seeing him start to make the progressions, and his, his accuracy is out of control, dude. Like... Uh, it, it's accuracy is not really a thing you can coach up. It's something you have or you don't. You can refine it, yeah. but there's sometimes you just don't have it because it's a mechanical thing. This dude's accuracy is wild. Like watching him, it's the same thing in college. He hits guys in stride. He's starting to develop a chemistry with Jakeem Grant, who is like a, a little bit slower version of Tyreek Hill, but he's still stupid fast. But they're getting it in all phases. 
The, inter- the defense is out of control. Yeah. Uh, Xavier Howard had another interception last week, five on the season. They're getting on special teams. They had a blocked punt last week. Uh, it's one of these things when you see a team where all those things are kind of coming together, a team is growing and they're kind of learning it, leaning into each other. And that's an indication of the coaching staff doing the right thing and putting guys in a position to succeed. Um, the Broncos look like a mess on every side of the ball. Yeah. The defense is a little bit better than the offense, but offensively they look like they got nothing. Drew's trying to play like he's fucking Pat Mahomes, throwing off his back foot, throwing sidearm, fucking stupid. Dolphins three-point favorites on the road. Probably should be higher. Um, but I, I have a little fear here when a team's riding high, especially a young team. Um, but I'm going to take... I thought I thought that could happen against the Chargers, against a pretty damn good rookie in Justin Herbert, and good offensive weapons and fucking Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and nada. Nothing. Um, Give me the Dolphins for sure. Yeah, I'm going to take the Dolphins too. Uh, Drew Locke is just not playing well right now. Their defense is off the charts. Um, I I see him throwing a pick. Maybe too. Yeah, Uh, especially with the defense the way the Dolphins are playing. Yeah. Uh, Next game, I actually don't have the line on this one for some reason. I'm going to just assume it's 10. Uh, The Jets with the Chargers. Um, The Jets, uh, no Sam Darnold again. Um, They might as well just shut him down for the season if they want to keep any kind of trade value he may have Um, because some people think they could get a second and a five for him, which isn't crazy. He was a first-round pick a couple years ago, third overall. Um, Yeah, the Chargers are the weird because they ha- they've been in this was the first game this season that they they're two and seven right yeah. they're not good um, but this was the first game against the Dolphins was the first game that they lost by more than six points they're in every game yeah they're right there Herbert's great the Jets are ass they're coming off their bye but you saw them play pretty well with Flacco a couple weeks ago and they blew it late again yeah Flacco is good enough and he's savvy enough that he could back them into a couple wins and not get the first overall pick I right. would say I don't think it'll be this week they're just not good. They're, they don't really have any talent outside. It was, you know, you see some young receivers like uh, Denzel Mims played pretty well. Jamison Crowder's pretty good. Perryman's pretty good. But give me the Chargers. They got to win one of these games, and this is the right opponent to do it to. Have the Jets won a game yet? No, they're 0 9, dude. <laughs> good. They, I think they're going to go 0 16. I hope so. I wish I put money I on really it a few weeks really ago. So. Uh, when they yeah, were 0 gonna... 4, it was like plus 1,600 that they go 0 16. I was this close to putting like 100 bucks on it, and I didn't because uh, I'm like, it's so hard to go 0 16. Only two teams have ever done it. But seeing the two 0 16, 16 teams in our lifetime and the Lions and the Browns, mm-hmm. this is the worst team. Yeah. I would say the Lions were in a few of those games. Uh, the Bengals were, or the Browns were in a few of those games. The Jets have been in two games this yeah. year. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the uh, Chargers. As is Taylor. Uh, next game, this is a good game. Um, the Green Bay Packers coming off the win over the Jaguars against the Colts, who beat the Titans on Thursday night. Colts, great defense, uh, coming off uh, two and a half point favorites on the road. Josh, I'm taking <coughs> the Colts here. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy. I've gone back and forth on this one because I love the Colts' defense. I don't love how Rivers is playing. He's playing well enough, and they have a pretty decent running game, it looks like, but the defense is fucking great. I love their coach. I love Frank Reich, uh, but I'm going to take the Packers because this is gonna. This reminds me a little bit of what it was like when the Colts played the Ravens two weeks ago where I think it'll be tight early on, but I think eventually Rodgers is going to get you at some point. Yeah. He will burn you at some point. Uh, Devontae Adams is fucking great. Uh, and you see that he's just constant. Rodgers constantly unleashes a different weapon each week. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers as is Taylor. Uh, ass game. Uh, Cowboys at Vikings. Ugh. Vikings coming off the win over the Bears. Um, Dalvin Cook playing out of his mind. Even in the game last night where the Bears contained him for the most part. Still got some tough yards. Uh, Vikings are eight and a half point favorites at home. I'm not wasting time on this one. Um, Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. All right. So this is an interesting game. Chiefs at Raiders. 
Chiefs uh, coming off their bye. Raiders beat uh, the Broncos. Chiefs lost one game this year to the Raiders in Arrowhead, right? Chiefs are six and a half, six and a half point favorites on the road. The Raiders are six and three. Now, the Chiefs, I think, are pissed because all these stories are coming out now that after they beat the Chiefs, John Gruden made the bus take a victory lap around Arrowhead to mock some of the fans who were out there, and that got leaked out. <laughs> Yo, I hate John Gruden, and I fucking love him. I know. The they're time. so weird. I love him as a commentator. I hate him as a coach. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to fucking drop a 40-burger on the Raiders. Yeah, I think that they're, this is one of these games where, you know how it used to be the worst thing you could do is play Belichick coming off a loss? <laughs> like that. Yeah. I think be like, all right, you want to try and mock us, motherfucker? Like, I saw a thing today where Travis Kelsey, there's a right before we started, he was like, okay, that could be their Super Bowl. We'll see how it goes this week. I think they're going to be like, all right, they want to mock us in our stadium. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. And your fucking Roomba. That fucking stadium <laughs> looks like a fucking Roomba. It looks cool, but uh, I think the Chiefs are going to demolish the Raiders. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and Taylor's taking the Chiefs as well. And I would take the points. Six and a half. If it was fucking 30, I would take it. I think they're going to fucking demolish them. Especially coming. Andy Reid is the greatest coach in history coming off his bye week as well. So that's a huge thing to consider. All right, this is a good game for Monday Night Football. The Los Angeles Rams beating the Seahawks this past week at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off their win uh, after getting crushed by the Saints the week before. Buccaneers three and a half point favorites at home. Uh, potential NFC Championship matchup because the Rams are right in the thick of those playoffs. The Bucks are going to have a really hard time winning the division because they lost those two games to the Saints. So this game does have huge playoff implications. Josh. I am going to take the Bucks. Okay. Um, yeah, Taylor and I are also taking the Bucks. I'm happy we have a lot of different picks this week because last week we only had two. Yeah. <laughs> and um, So... I think the Bucks defense, they haven't played as well lately, but the defense is so talented that they're they're going to bounce back. And what I and what we've seen from the Rams is that if you have linebackers and you can create pressure on Jared Goff, like you saw the Dolphins do to him a few weeks ago, he's got nothing. Yeah. He's the biggest smoke and mirrors quarterback in the league as far as I'm concerned. What are you doing over there? Nothing. What are you pressing? Are you getting a song ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I wasn't sure. I just heard dude Dude, um, but uh, it's a know. new operating system. I don't oh, know. I got you. You're still it's figuring like, it out. Like I don't know. Like there's new chimes and stuff, but they don't mute the same way that they used to. Understood. Um, but yeah, I like the Bucks. Um, I think it'll be a close game. Three and a half, I would stay away from. But uh, I think the Bucks win this one. I just think they the firepower and offense is too much. You saw Ronald Jones that 98 yard touchdown run this past week. Um, so they can run it. They can pass it. Their defense can get to the quarterback. Uh, give me the Bucks, and you're taking the Bucks as is Taylor. So there's our picks for the week. Uh, the, Josh, that was fun. Without yeah. Taylor, we uh, we yeah, pulled it out. Yeah, pretty, pretty um, solid, I think. This was episode 128 of You Watch, I Listen. Uh, the movie pick for this week was Mank. We're all watching it. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm on an emo thing this week. <laughs> I never liked Hawthorne Heights. It was his voice. Just yeah. doesn't do it for me. And this is like, this song became defining what every emo, I never thought every emo kid was, yeah. cut my wrist and black my eyes. <laughs> and the guy's dead now, the screamer. Is he really? He died a few years ago. <laughs> no he, he's dead. <laughs> Very dead. Um, so, movie pick for this week was Mank, coming out Netflix this Friday, and the album pick was MXPX, and I forgot the name of the album. I have it written down here. Something about being happy. Um, yeah. Oh, no. It's the ever-passing moment. <laughs> Close Something enough. about being happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, please cut your wrist and black your eyes from all of us here at You Watch, I Listen. It's 
awful garbage. 